Oh yeah, it's spring. Hello everyone and welcome back. It's finally spring and it's getting warmer. Diego, Wido, hello. Hi. Hello everyone. And Mark, aka Kit. Hey man. Hey, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And hope things are right with you as well. So Mark has some important news he'd like to share and we are very, very excited about it. Oh yeah, Retro Asylum banned me for permanent for life. I don't know why. They hate me. So yeah, Mark is going to join us on a permanent basis. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you guys can you guys can pick me up. I don't know. There's Maybe. always room for you here. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> Joining us today also is Kyle Thompson, uh, author of one of the games that we're going to talk about. Uh, hello, Kyle. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you very much. Mark, it's been a long time since we've had you on the show, isn't it? Yeah, it was September, if I remember. <laughs> Good Lord. All that time ago. Yeah, we, we kept... I kept was going to keep coming on, and we were going to talk about the swap meet that we we were a part of. Oh, Portland. And then Portland, and then Portland both of them. They were back-to-back, a couple of weeks apart. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been ages. Yeah. I, I figured you just didn't want to invite me back on, but that's okay. Now you're here for good, and that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. how's, uh, how's things been? I mean, what, what have you been up to do you know, in, in this uh, five months? Is it more? Probably, isn't it? Yeah. Gosh, it's, yeah. So, I mean, back in October, um, I, I should state that Kyle, the developer here, is one of my best friends. So, so he's been, um, I mean, we've been friends for at least, what? better part of 12 years right Kyle yep yeah yeah and it was funny so when you started this podcast about a year ago when we were mm. talking um I think it was it was probably around October when I told you that well I have a friend that made a game you know if you want to talk to yeah him. yeah yeah <laughs> so so I'm pretty excited about having Kyle on uh, to talk about this game because when he made this game I had no idea that he could even do anything like this so how good awesome. how good of a friend could I be really be or could he be to me, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, since then, I mean, you know, just just living the life, working. I, I've been working like 60, 70, 80 hours these last probably six weeks. He's been absolutely brutal. Yeah. And I yeah, it's just ugh, I hate it. But I love it because I get I get lots of money when I work lots, so whatever. And you got to you get to spray everywhere. <laughs> That's right. But you liked my picture of me in the paint booth. <laughs> yeah, I honestly thought you were painting cars. I don't know why I had that impression. I didn't know you painted goggles. I that which completely blew my mind, to be honest. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I, I've been painting the goggles for Smith Optics um, since about two thousand eight. And that's just a little really? little bit of the thing that I do. Yeah, it's weird because I, I painted cars and I painted cabinetry. Um, I've even painted huge metal signs and, and, and all these things. And um, yeah, I, I kind of fell into this job. And I, I, I don't know. I love it. I mean, I've just loved painting. It's unfortunately, I've, I've kind of become the supervisor of this area, manager of this area. And, and I don't get to paint very much anymore. Aww. So what I do, it's my, it's my happy place when I get in there. So yeah. 
Oh, that's nice, though. That's nice that you made like progress in your career. If that's what you wanted to do, that's really cool. No, I just want to paint. I I just I keep getting sucked into it. You know, what do you do? Have you ever done any like um, figurine? How do you say figurine painting? You know, when you got little models and you do airbrushing on. No, no. More IMR stuff. I think the the craziest things I've the small. I mean, I, I I've painted Nintendos. <laughs> that's I've done. Ah, that's cool. I've you should some, show us some of those. I should. I should post some pictures. There was one. I did put on Reddit, um, on the Reddit gaming forum. They're huge, you know, the huge gaming forum. It made it to the front page. Awesome. It was, uh, a, a, I did a wood grain Nintendo 64 and that was kind of cool. So I don't know. Looks, it looks like a piano. It looks, it's gorgeous, <laughs> but oh, that sounds really, but is it just done with paint? They're not, not actual wood. That's right. Um, this was a process oh, okay. called hydrographics. Um, but you have to paint it. Then you have uh, the graphics you have to put on in this huge water tank, and then you have to clear coat it and polish it. And yeah, it's great. I'll, I'll post some pictures. I'll get some up on the. Discord. Yeah, yeah, I know. We did uh, has some uh, custom painted one or custom made shells for his handhelds, and uh, it's so, sort of the coming from the same idea of customization, isn't it? Yeah, but mine are not professionally done. It's just like a rattle can uh, spray paint <laughs> and, uh, in the garden. And uh, it's, it's like the you see it all streaking, but uh, whatever. It, uh, it's somehow... Uh, it, those are my ghetto Game Boys. <laughs> ghetto Game Boys. You can take those to war. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, exactly. I've ruined uh, Commodore 64 with a, with a rattle can. Oh, well. Yeah. Other bad. than that, you can't not, win them all. Yeah, not much for me. I mean, I've, I've uh, with this guy here, Kyle, we, we picked up all these Amigas and crazy computers I picked up from this guy. I'm selling a bunch of arcade machines. So I think I've, I've picked up from him in the last, since December, I got five Amiga 2000s from him. I find that uh, very unfair. It's in, you shouldn't say these things out to the public. <laughs> not right it's not right <laughs> um an amiga 1000 amiga 500 uh, about five or six different atari 8-bit computers an atari st what else was there kyle apple computers i i i, I mean i just i unloaded this guy's um work space and warehouse i don't know it's all not my cup of tea he's just getting super excited about all these beige boxes <laughs> and i'm just saying they're like why are you buying this stuff <laughs> he, he's just hanging out with the retro asylum too much that's it those guys those guys have completely ruined me on picking up weird i mean you know i i mean i keep saying like nobody's ever have nobody i ever knew had an amiga out here especially back in the day but I You've got six. Them, so you got six. Can you can you <laughs> actually just set one on fire and just 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 do it? I could. Somebody had. It was funny because somebody has actually painted one of them. Um, it's kind of a metallic gray gunmetal. So and I was like, oh, they ruined it. But then I think, oh, well, I've ruined these Nintendos. So I guess <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's the way it is. Yeah, so have some Amigas on fire, like uh, just just because you can do it. You've got so many of them, and just you know, like, like people who burn yeah, money. Yeah. <laughs> you burn Amigas. Burn, but yeah, when I need to keep warm on these cold winter nights, I'll I'll get some Amigas and set them on fire. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> invite us to the. Oh my God, people be gonna be crying and up in arms under your house, <laughs> <laughs> setting your amigas on fire. If you translate amigas, that's a real weird sentence. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> Friends, yes, yes, yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, probably shouldn't start that cult. That's probably, bad. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> well, uh, what's Diego been up to? It's been a while since I've seen him. Well, not really that much recently. I've been super busy with lots of stuff. And mainly that little free time I had, I spent it skiing. Because uh, we knew that the right kind of snow was raining out here. And I think already now, this weekend, we can't go anymore. It's not good snow anymore. It's getting wet and it's like slush everywhere. So we just rushed all the family to skiing as much as possible and a little bit of also biking in the snow. Not sure if you've tried that, but it's really, really wow. nice. No, it sounds difficult. Well, I, I did that once with a fat bike with a really exactly. fat tires, which is ah. quite amazing because the, the environment totally changes uh, you can certainly normally you, you cycle over cycling paths in the netherlands and when i have the fat bike you suddenly there was no path anymore it was just cycling everywhere because everywhere was exactly snow. yeah we had we had exactly that type of uh, fat bikes for that it's it's really nice if you have the right places and uh, of course here in finland it's quite easy just outside of town to get some uh, uh, track within the woods, for example, that are uh, uh, not exactly prepared, but there are people going there by bike. So after a while, uh, it, the, the snow also kind of settles down in the best possible way. Uh, and it's mm. really, really nice. Not too difficult. Not, not really, doesn't really require very great skills to do it, but uh, just a little strength, just, maybe. Sorry? Maybe strength in the legs. Is it is it more difficult? I've always wondered those big tires that you have. Are they more difficult to? I wouldn't say so. I think it, they are very comfortable, very comfortable to to drive. Mm. So well, if you go to steep slopes, then of course yes, you're gonna need strength. And with the snow and ice, you're also gonna probably slip easily. But we we mm. didn't go into very difficult tracks really. But I recommend if someone has a chance. Do you have like two sets of bikes, one for winter and one for spring, summer, like like the tires? I know we have a few few of them that can be used all over the year. But then we change the tires. Of course, there's winter tires and there's summer tires of bicycles as well, like cars. I suppose you have that that sort of stuff over there as well, Mark. You showed me like when. Those uh, photos with loads and loads of snow, so you have to change your tires. Did you have like fat bikes at home as well? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people that bike up here. Um, and the snow, I mean, uh, our, our slogan is we have the greatest snow on earth here in Utah. But I the bet. the mountains are, you know, they're still covered. I, we got so much snow this year, I think. Um, it, it's like 20 feet. It's like, what is that, six, seven meters of snow at our base up in some of the some of our ski resorts. Crazy. Sounds like Finland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna. They're they're worried about flooding this year as it starts to start running off. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> Diego, did you do? Have you been up to anything else, or is is there, are there any other highlights from these days that we haven't heard each other? No, not since last time, really. Well, cool. I'm glad you went biking. 
Say hello to Kyle. Welcome, Kyle, and pleased to meet you. Hey, how are you doing? I am very well, thank you very much. I hope you're okay. Kyle, are you a coffee guy? I live up for coffee. I've got my coffee basically glued to my hand at all times. Ah, see, <laughs> you're one of the good ones. I knew that. <laughs> what what kind of coffee? How do you like your coffee? Just black <laughs> and black and constantly refreshed. <laughs> like constantly up, as you say, um, topped up. Is that exactly. Right? Do you do Americano? Do you do espresso and then... Um, a long es espresso. No, I am not that fancy. I am Mr. Coffee Drip. <laughs> you know, the $20 oh, Target machine. Oh, that sounds good, though. I mean, I've only just reverted to instant coffee because the price of coffee here has gone up exponentially, and it's not uh, it's not that great. It's, uh, I think, £4. Is that for... even caffeine in, uh, in instant coffee? Apparently, there's more because it takes more coffee beans to make the granules that you then dissolve. That, that's what I learned. Wow. I don't. I, I honestly, I don't. I don't really know. But um, it does seem to hype me up quite a lot when I when I drink two or three of those a day. So I can imagine Carl climbing up the walls at the evening time. <laughs> I um, just have like the fancy beans. I have to go to the coffee shop to get the really nice imported Ethiopian beans and all that. So I'm kind of the coffee snob with my black coffee, but I don't do any massive prep for it. Just grind it up and I only I got the impression that you actually you would you were drinking instant black, not going the whole route of going to get the beans and all. So you are a bit of a connoisseur. Kind of. Drip coffee. Yeah, that's what I drink as well, drip coffee. Oh. That's uh, really common in the Netherlands. Right, right. I don't know if you know, but there is a special coffee here in England called the Death Wish Coffee. And the logo on it, it's a skull and crossbones. Apparently, this has a, such a high dosage of caffeine that it's uh, not recommended to have it if you have like a heart condition. I feel like I've heard of it, but it's kind of not up my alley. I just want to be constantly drinking coffee so lower <laughs> caffeine content's probably better so i can just keep the flow going keep myself at a steady rate from the moment i wake up to the moment i go to sleep how late do you drink it at this point i can drink an entire pot of coffee and go to take a nap like 30 minutes later it just does so little to like me. diego <laughs> my gosh yeah <laughs> i think diego does that too he, oh, he can yes. drink coffee just before going to bed i don't know yes every evening can't do that. Do you still have it? Do you have it now? <laughs> not, actually, not this evening because we had a sauna and then I drank maybe half a liter of uh, cola. So <laughs> I think that's already a good amount of caffeine. <laughs> and I have an, the other the other half liter waiting for me <laughs> if I need it. Well, I thought, yeah, you could have it in your drip, you know. Do you say drip in, in America when you have it in your arm? Yeah. Coffee drip. <laughs> you can have that. <laughs> and here's another funny thing that happened during the Flight of Pigros episode. And for the listeners, that's number eight. So go check it out if you haven't already. While we're talking about snacks, as we do, Mark seemed to infer that he snacked on peanut butter. <laughs> so I did envisage going to his house and being offered a giant peanut butter on the table. <laughs> I think he later corrected himself and then went yeah. for Reese's, I think. Reese's? Reese's. Re it, like... If if I had to pick a favorite candy or lolly or whatever you want to call it, it would be a Reese's. Peter Rudder Cups. Now, I don't just scoop peanut butter. I, I'm You're getting a bad impression <laughs> of me. So. 
actually, when you go to Mark's, you get made like absolutely fantastic meals. He'll sit there and cook ribs for 12 hours or whatever magic <laughs> oh, he works. Yeah. It's fallen off the bone. So, yeah, going to Mark's house for food is the best. But besides me, my wife is a fantastic cook. So between the between the pair of us, we're a mess. That's for sure. I really hope to come and see you one, one year, Mark. Just say hello. Do it. So, um, Kyle, give us give us two snacks, one savory and one sweet that you like. Oh, man, that's kind of hard on the spot. I don't <laughs> tend to snack a lot. COVID did wonders to my belt line, so I'm trying to cut down on the snacks. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what I'm uh, what would it, what would Kyle eat when we'd be hanging out? Just ribs. Just <laughs> a snack is a pack of ribs. <laughs> Just the ribs. You yes. know, I don't think I really see you snacking when we hang out. It's true. I can't believe you never snacked. Me and Diego used to have always crisps when we were playing video games. <laughs> never have a crisp. Oh yeah, I mean chips, but but like I mean Kyle hosts game game nights. We have like I don't know one every other month at his house, and most Nachos. of the time we just order pizza and there's drinks and there's. Very rarely is there anything other than pizza and drinks. That's about, you know, that seems about right. I brought chips and salsa one, one, one time. But you don't want the controllers to be greasy afterwards. <laughs> ah, that's disgusting. The question is, Mark, have you ever seen me without coffee in my hands in the years you've known me? No, no. What's What's been fun is in our Portland trips we used to go to, and it would be like seven in the morning, and he hasn't had a cup yet. He's about he's about going out of his mind. You'd think he had coffee, but he's like, I need a cup, I need a cup. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, what I mean, what would be your favorite snack? Like as a kid, what would what would you I mean, snack on? I love Reese's peanut butter cups, but I try not to eat them. Oh no, again. That's there's no fat, there's no on. I, I'm not wrong. Skittles. It, it's a, it's a, Skittles. It's an American, it's American treat. It is. You can just buy these in uh, in our grocery stores. They're they're just there. The Reese's peanut butter cups. I never had them. Really? Yeah, give give one a shot, Weedo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I think they're milk in there or something. Right? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's in probably, the chocolate. Yeah, in the chocolate, maybe. In the chocolate, maybe. Uh, probably. That's right. So, and you're you're uh, are, no you vegan. I, I forgot you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. So, Dang. Uh, no milk for none, me. None for you. <laughs> no, no Reese's buttercups. Don't they make dark chocolate? Oh, but not not here. But maybe there's a special uh, vegan variant in the, the US. They do vegan bounties as well. Vegan Kit Kat, I've seen, um, but I've never seen the Reese's. Um, so I don't know. M maybe they'll do that one day. Anything savory? No. No. Nah. Peanut. <laughs> Peanuts. Salted peanuts. Yeah, do you, I mean, do you snack on like cashews or anything, Kyle? No, I mean, and I don't do potato chips because I can't eat or, potatoes. Wow. Beef jerky? Ew, gross. Eric, remember <laughs> Eric always used to bring a bag of beef jerky around? It was so gross. <laughs> Disgusting. Well, you're the first person that I meet that doesn't have any yeah. snacks. I he does believe. like his meals though. When he go, when we go get food, he, I mean, he, he takes down a, he takes a meal, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean. What's a meal? What's a meal? I already know a meal like a place where you make. Uh, what's it called? Oh, uh, like uh, like dinner. Like you, we'd, we'd go out and grab a bite to eat. He'll 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 pound down his his hamburger and fries. You know, chips, whatever. Kyle and I would have game nights. We had a uh, uh, Kyle's best friend and my you know one of my really close friends. He he passed away back in 2019. Oh, sorry to hear that. And. Uh, we used to have these game nights, the three of us, mm. and I would always be the one that would bring the peanut butter M&Ms. <laughs> or... You just 
<laughs> what is it with you and peanut? Or, it's, I'm, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's just, it's pe- peanut butter's our jam, man. That's <laughs> Yeah. I can't also live without a peanut butter, but just the regular peanut butter on my breath. I eat You're, it every you- day. You do. On this, um, I was told in my first game night, because I didn't put out any snacks, because I'm not a snack guy, and uh, somebody came to me, and they're like, your game night was great, but your snack game is weak. <laughs> ah, there you go. You got... I say owned. I don't know how you say it nowadays. I'm an old man. I don't say, I don't say these things. But yeah, no good a snacker. Not a snacker. Listeners, um, Kyle has got one of the most incredible collections of video games. I was going to ask him, did you pick anything new up in your super collection? So the big thing for me has just been arcade machines. I got my house in 2020 and it went from, oh, I can collect a few console games in my uh, 700 square foot apartment to, oh, I can buy a single video game that takes up three feet <laughs> square feet of ta- space. And it just kind of exploded. I can't get enough. I constantly jonesing looking for new arcade machines to buy there's just something so cool about that artwork they had back in the 80s it's just they're gorgeous pieces of art are you planning on opening something like maybe like an attraction or something maybe later on like uh we've got arcade club over here so this giant i'm not expecting you open something that big but maybe i don't know a little place with some arcade machines in I feel like every Uber collector says this, and it's the worst thing to say, but I'd love to open a museum someday. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to knock on wood or not jinx myself, but, you know, I think it's kind of the common theme when you have so many video games, you just want to open a museum to share them. Well, I, I would definitely come and see them if I lived closer, but obviously there's a, an ocean separating us, for, <laughs> so not for now. Wido, what have you been doing? I uh I bought a new dishwasher. Uh, <laughs> with a, yeah, a new dishwasher with an oven and a stuff a stuff in that's one device, and it's <laughs> it's from Italy. So uh, wait, wait, l- let me redo the intro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to White Goods Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I bought a new dishwasher <laughs> with an oven and a stove in one. So it's one <laughs> one device, but it came with, with a an really oven inside wi- it. What? what a dishwasher with an oven yeah the, the bottom uh, third is a dishwasher and the middle uh, section is an oven and the, <laughs> the top section is a stove but it came with a really weird uh, uh power plug and i thought what the heck is this so then it j- was just standing there in my in my living room like what what do i even do with this and i tried to get an electrician to to uh, to fix it or something or make some kind of plug where I can plug it in, but uh, or socket where I can plug it in. But uh, yeah, all the electricians are uh, are they have too much work for such a small little oh, thing. So like, I mm. thought I can do this myself. <laughs> so oh, <okay>. I was uh, <laughs> sounds like so uh, I, I called a friend who has a little bit more uh, experience with electricity. So we made made new. Um, uh a new plug but i had to go under my house into the crawling space and uh i forgot i was like five years ago for the last time in there and i forgot how tight it is there and i'm also i gained a little bit more weight you so, <laughs> you <can't get> <laughs> so there were uh, s- several places in in the crawling space where i well just fit it in there my so God. it was really really tight uh, going in there and i have to go in there and out there maybe five times to get it fixed 
and uh, I even lost my pants somewhere because I <laughs> oh, had to no. squeeze my oh. I had to, I had to squeeze myself through a hole <laughs> in that crawling space, which was uh, really crazy. But uh, in the end, we fixed it and we made a, made a electricity socket. We made um, uh, we had to do something with the electricity. It was sort of uh, power, more powerful electricity. And now I finally have a dishwasher again. And an oven and an electric <laughs> stove. So, yeah, it's an Italian device. So, I've never uh, heard of such a device. <laughs> should know. <laughs> we're, we're good at making these uh, these things, and then people buy them and they explode, or <laughs> and then we like, what? <laughs> so that's that's what was I what I was doing uh, last weekend. Well, I, I went grocery shopping, and what a bad experience that was, my. Uh, there was empty shelves, people reaching out in front of you and like getting in front of each other, um, trolley jams. Prices are stupidly high nowadays as well for, for like a, a liter of milk is like over two, two pounds. Everything gave me the impression there was a famine. But anyways, it was just su- such a bad um, experience that I thought to myself, should I just go online and then never, never go out of the house again? <laughs> but uh, I've never particularly enjoyed food shopping anyways, um, you know. But this was just a whole new low for me. Uh, how's shopping for you guys? Gro- grocery sto- shopping, yeah. There, there's, there's many of uh, many stores in the Netherlands. There's like a, a lot of small stores. So every indie five minutes cycling, we have a, we have a store, but they are not that big. Uh, oh, right. And there is a lot of uh, different competing companies with with uh, grocery stores. So uh, generally, the prices are low but uh yeah uh nowadays the prices are are going up and up and that's that's no fun even when you go for the lower sections where everything should be cheaper it's still uh, still uh super expensive nowadays but yeah i normally really like uh shopping uh grocery shopping you like it oh, I, take, I, I take my kids and uh they they uh, they like it too so <laughs> it, I'm, oh. I'm mostly the, the the grocery shopping guy and uh, shopping online isn't really working out for us i think you can pick the nice stuff if you, you have to i i want to have it in my hands to see like when i buy a bell pepper or something i want to see if it's a good one or not but, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But is it crazy with people like uh, like it is over here? Like really here, there's a nearly some aisles, I think you call them aisles, where you go down. Um, there's too many trolleys and too many people and you really have to wait your turn sort of. And it's just a bit ridiculous in some cases. Hmm. Well, I don't have any differences from other years. Maybe after the, the COVID you you aren't used to it anymore. Something's so changed, crowded, but maybe. But but it's not but like it's that, not anyways, in Netherlands. No, no. Uh, well, so. okay. I've been to a Finland supermarket when I went to see Diego, and it seemed very calm. Is it still that way, Diego? It is back to that nowadays. But uh, well, during the COVID years, I think the general feeling was more like in those old eighties zombie movies in the supermarket where people just <laughs> just, would yeah. just run with the, the trolley getting stuff <laughs> and try to get to the exit as fast as possible, stay a very big distance from ev- everyone else. I think Finnish people already have this kind of habit of wanting to keep a little bit more distance than for example Italian people feel like. 
from from strangers and uh, it, with the covid it, it felt a little bit like everybody in europe had this two meters distance rule and we kind of had a 20 meter distance rule here in Finland. <laughs> but uh, well I must say when I had the same feeling as Guido about shopping for groceries online that I never trusted that mm, yeah, because yeah. I also want to see the food by myself but, but fresh I was, food yes yeah but I was surprised that because of the COVID we started using these services where you can order online they gather all your shopping bags and you just go and fetch the bags ready or boxes in our case. Oh, click and collect. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, we tried that so that we didn't have to spend an hour in the shops because of, of COVID uh, precautions. And uh, I was surprised that they never, never put anything we didn't like in the bags, even those super fresh vegetables and fruits that normally I really want to sort them out and pick the best but there was never anything bad and because of that uh, uh, we actually haven't stopped using those services even if now we don't need it anymore but just to save time I can save an hour and it's very inexpensive and yeah yeah it makes sense right but otherwise I think also shopping with the kids is not a nice thing to do everyone and then if they like it mine don't, mine don't like it they hate it <laughs> they never want to come how's shopping in America I've never this is an interesting question for me because now I always see it in the movies is it crazy or is it normal and where do you shop what's the shop name I know you've got Costco in America Walmart Costco is crazy <laughs> uh, I go to Costco because I have kids and oh yeah, uh, you know you got when you buy a roll of toilet paper you got to get like this many of them. It's it's not I mean it's not that bad I would say I mean during the pandemic, uh, what was crazy was in I think it was about I think it was April of 2020 when uh, kind of they started doing the full lockdown. We had an earthquake here. Oh. <laughs> It was just, it was one thing after another. And we had an earthquake and everybody was already freaking out because the pandemic kind of was shutting things down. And um, I remember I was home that oh. morning and, and you know, shook us. And I was like, what in the hell was that? And I thought, oh my gosh, that was an earthquake. So I booked it to the store and it was like the, at that time, cause there's, there's a store just maybe two miles from my house. And it did feel like those movies where you, people were everywhere because it was, you know, it was chaos you can imagine. <laughs> at that point. But after that, I mean, it, it calmed oh. down. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were, everybody was on edge already for, from about a month prior. Um, but I mean, right now, I mean, other than there once in a while, the, you know, we'll be out of bacon or pork or we'll be out of toilet paper or we'll, I mean, right. Our big thing right now is eggs. Mm, um, okay. Our egg, our egg cost went like four times or something ridiculous. So it, other than that, nah, it's just, it's normal. But it's a calm experience. You know, you're not really getting yeah. clogged into, I don't know, trolley jams. No, yeah. And Kyle, do you still, you, you've been ordering yours online, right? And mm -hmm. just going to do the pickup. I had the same problem that when I would get them delivered, they would buy the wrong things. They buy things for themselves on my ticket. They <laughs> just all sorts of problems. Like, oh, I don't want to bring him this because it's heavy, so I'll just leave it off the order. 
all those sorts of things. Crafty shoppers. Yeah, like. the quality went down as the uh, time went on. So now I have to go to the grocery store. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like a stressful thing, is it? I mean, it kind of is. I keep harping on this, but you they say you win at the grocery store, not in the kitchen. So mm-hmm. it's always like, oh, I really want to buy this unhealthy thing, but I know I shouldn't. And so there's the real stressor. We're still trying to figure out what <laughs> snacks you buy. No snacks. Hmm. no snacks. No snacks. <laughs> Just try not to. Because if they're at home, you eat them. Yeah. Oh, is that the yeah, reason why you didn't buy them? Oh, okay. I thought you didn't buy them because you were interested. If I buy them, they're there and they just get polished off oh, immediately. You're like me. You got to have the self-control at the grocery yeah. store. My, my wife the, buys bags, bags of chips. So, uh, or else she gets really grave. She has to have them in the house <laughs> or else she gets really grave things for them. And she doesn't eat them. So they're in our house just to... Because if they're not there, they get she get gravings and then she get out in the night to get a, a really expensive bag of crisps somewhere. <laughs> so it's display display crisps like like uh, to just uh, just to, to be there just is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's just there just to uh, yeah <laughs> to, that's, that's to be incredible. there. It's it's really crazy. <laughs> it's called com- comfort food. It's com- It's just just the fact that they're there makes her happy. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> if it, if it costs you a couple of quid or whatever it is to get a couple you know a bag of chips to leave it on there, so, so be it. <laughs> so, that makes life so better. Be Why not have some display crisps? <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, it's time to move on to some games. So, Diego, what have you been playing during this time? I think I only managed to play one little game this week that's uh, Super Cooked on the Super NES. So that is more or less a clone of the famous Overcooked, which is one of my absolute favorite games due to its multiplayer. I love playing that with my kids. And Super Cooked is basically the same game, developed, uh, I think, in 2022, last year, by a three-people team. I don't know their real names. I know that they call themselves Goldlock, Benny's Nest, Dev, and Chronomoogle. Okay, three people so made this. Three people to make this game, and they made it freely available on each.io. I think Mm -hmm. they also made a, a very small number of cartridges handcrafted them if i remember right but they were so few that i have no idea who got them maybe less than 20 of them something like that well if you if you know the game overcooked then uh, you can easily imagine how supercooked is gonna look like but for those who don't it's essentially a little arcade style game where your character has to build recipes of food by gathering a small number of ingredients from the kitchen, preparing them like cutting them, cooking, boiling, grilling, something like that, and then put the ingredients after they are ready together into the dish and deliver the dish to the restaurant, dining room or something like that. And uh, it's um, it's a nice game also to play alone, but uh, these sort of games really, really shine when you play them in, I'd say, at least three people. And fortunately, I didn't even have time to test the multiplayer of this on the SNES, but uh, the the game looks like it 
it's gonna be fun also in the, with a lot of people it supports up to four players I think you need to have a special device to split one of the port into three to have more than two players but um, it supports up to four and uh, it it kind of looks very very cute to me it's um, of course a slim down version compared to the uh, Windows one so it has a more light style and feeling and it's also less uh, full of different variations the the one for windows has really many levels with lots of moving parts and it's very frantic this one is more quiet and more like bit little bit down to earth but this could be also a good thing because it just goes back to the basic of the mechanic of these games but uh, can you give us an example? Sorry, like uh, like uh, I've played uh, Supercooked on the Switch after your suggestions, and yeah, namely I had quite a lot of fun with it, especially with the kids. So you mean so there are some levels where, let's say, parts of the kitchen move left and right because, for example, you're on a pirate boat and and the pirate boat sways left to right, and the tables let's say fall down, making different paths for you to follow. Or there's people, for example, on the road moving up and down. So is, is, are these aspects that you're saying not there in this NES version? Yes, exactly. I think they tried to put some minor mechanics like that, but it just doesn't seem to be able to do all the stuff you can do on Windows. I love those levels on the Windows version of Overcooked, where, for example, you, you have two rafts running down the river and the kitchen is literally built on the two rafts so on one oh, of them know, yeah. on one of them you have some of the tools it could be the stoves or the sink to wash the dishes and other tools are on the other rafts and these rafts change in position because they are really running down the river all the time so it messes up the whole dynamic of the game especially when you play with more than one players so these kind of advanced mechanics aren't just there in supercooked but there are smaller ones like there's a level for example that's where the kitchen is on uh, the ice and there are parts of the floor where which are very slippery so it's difficult to move around or there's okay, another level where you are basically in the middle of the road anyway there's a people's crossing and these create some moving obstacles to your own movements smaller things but they still create a nice variety in the game so i think it's it's okay considering that the super nes doesn't have all these massive capabilities and also it looks simpler the windows version the windows overcooked game it's basically 3d in a sense so you get uh, visual of perspective and Supercook doesn't have that it looks more pixelated and more simple but I think it's a, it was a very very nice idea anyway to do this for this NES so I can recommend it definitely. And it's free right? You, you can freely download it? Yes it's freely available okay. um, I didn't even notice any pay what you want button there if i remember right when i when i got it uh, it's free on itch.io 
and I think it's made from Gold Goldlock is the same author that made uh, Dotty Dreadnoughts on that we covered on I think episode three. Really? Okay. So for the listeners, you can go and check it out. And is this game made? It's three people, isn't it? Made this game. How's the music? Is it catchy? And and who who made the music? Uh, yes, yes. I I think the music is pretty pretty good. The graphics also are very cartoonish, and uh, so you can't choose your character like in Overcooked, but uh, you have a fixed character which is a yellow baby chicken. Uh, how do you, how do you say it? a chick? Yeah, a, a chick. chick, a yellow chick, mm -hmm. and the other players have the same character but just just in different colors. In the, in the colors of the buttons of the Super Nintendo. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Ah, that's cool. That's and cool. not the lavender stuff uh, which you guys have uh, <laughs> in the US, but uh, purple and light purple. <laughs> <laughs> and if I remember right, Goldlock did most of the work for this game. I think. Um, not sure how they split the work exactly, but I remember that I've read that uh, it's mostly his effort and the other two helped with uh, some of the graphical content, maybe level design or something like that. But uh, good to know that same author as Dotted Dreadnought. Hmm. So in your opinion, does it hold up? Like you, you're a player of uh, Overcooked for Windows. I played it on Switch. Um, does it hold up like um, gameplays wise like you know what I mean like is it controllable is it easy do you, from what you tried it does it still respond quite well yes but as I said it's not that frantic as the other one and uh, it, it's easy to control but um, I think the other one is a bit faster although you you do have a, an option to rush a little bit it, I, I ended up not using it very much, to be honest. So the overcooked game is has better control, better dynamics, and better everything. But considering this is for a smaller, older machine, it's pretty good. I don't know if you guys ever played Overcooked. I, I've I've tested it because Diego's um, advised me to. I've never I've never played that game. No, that's not one I've ever I've ever attempted. So it sounds interesting. I only played Moving Out, which is from the same developers, which is about um, uh, moving stuff, like uh, from uh, when you're moving. <laughs> so you have to uh, pick up a couch and throw it through the window. Uh, oh, in in yeah. a car and stuff like I've, that. I've played that one too. Is that what's that on? That's on everything, I think. Yeah, I think okay. I saw that on Steam. Yeah, Steam or something. Yeah, I I remember it's a hard game, especially co-op, right? Because you have to like grab yeah, the couches to together yeah. and you're trying to manipulate it. Or, I mean, it's like real life trying to move Kyle's arcade machines into his house. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> it's, like, <yeah. laughs> it's like it's like like real life. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's from the same developers and a little bit like the same gameplay where you have to work together to do stupid stuff. <laughs> I really enjoyed Overcooked when I played it. I think um, it's quite nice that they made a like a, a tribute version on the SNES. I, I think that's pretty cool. And they we already got four ports on the SNES. For example, on the Switch, I can only play with two controllers, so two people. I think I don't know if I can add more. So that would be interesting to see if I can play with four controllers on the SNES and have four people go at the same time. Yeah, with the multi-tap on the Switch, you can go up to I think eight controllers, maybe more. 
At least six. I, I know Smash Brothers. I think so. Only last six is what my kids play. But you have to have so, them, though. Oh, so you, you have, have to buy to extra have, ones. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a good one to know. I'll definitely want to test that out with my kids because they played the other one as well. So see if they want to set all those kitchens on fire as well. Uh, can they set? Can you set the kitchen on fire on the NES as well, like on the on the other versions? There's a timer, no? And it, when you put stuff to cook, then it kind of, if you leave it there, then it overcooks and then it becomes fire and all the kitchen takes fire slowly if you just leave it. Does that happen on this nest as well? I don't know. I never let it get to that point. <laughs> I'm, I'm faster than My that. My kids do the opposite. Oh, they do it on purpose. Yeah, they just, I say, <sighs> let's play overcooked. Yeah, yeah. And they just start pushing each other away, laughing. They literally end up in <laughs> tears laughing, but they just set the, the kitchen on fire every time. That's all they like to do. I would keep I got, them out of your kitchen. Just Oh, yeah, yeah. they're destructive <laughs> kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I get really annoyed at them. <laughs> Anyways, sorry about that. Uh, Mark, what, what have you been playing? So I decided to grab... Um, I, I had a different game in mind, but then it was on the Spectrum, and the Spectrum is really hard to... Uh, <laughs> to control that game was hard so i wanted more time with it so i decided to pick a different game i ended up going with uh vector blade on the vectrex Ooh. have you guys I ever yeah, yeah you ever right. seen vectrex besides kyle i know kyle's got one uh, only on videos but not in real life yeah it's too posh for me it's only for posh people <laughs> whatever andy so um <laughs> this game was um I, I i can't remember what year it was developed only a couple of years ago i think maybe in 2020 there is a there is an actual physical release um that you can buy so it's got a, there's there's a boxed copy you can buy and i think they're still in stock when you look for them but vector blade is a um he says it was inspired by a game called warblade which i've not heard of um but when i first so when i saw that i just you know, picked it up to try it. Now my Vectrex, um, I have a cartridge called the Pytrex. Have you guys heard okay. of the Pytrex? Is that something which combines it with the Raspberry Pi or something? Ba yeah, basically. I mean, it's a, it's just basically, nice. it's a, I don't want to call it a flash cartridge, but it's a cartridge that, that has a header on it and you, you put a Pi Zero. Oh yeah, the yes. cheap one. Like the, 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 those are eight bucks or something. Yep, yep. And you put the Pi Zero in it, and you, you you know you download the image for an SD card and and everything, and throw it on there. And so, I have not. I, I tried to. I, I got this Pytrex. I think it was like I don't know six or eight months ago, and I and I tried to put it together, and I I'm super simple, so it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, um, Dean Swain from the Retro Asylum messaged me. He's like, we got to get that working. You got to get that working. So he he basically sent me step-by-step -step instructions. I was able to get it working that that evening, which was great. And, Ve and Vector Blade is on there as one of the images. And um, so this is a homebrew game that um, the guy, I, I don't know what his name is. He goes by Malban, M-A-L-B-A-N. Mm -hmm. um, and he, like I said, he was inspired by a game called Warblade by a gentleman named Edgar um, Vig... Oh, man, I'm terrible at names. V-I-G-D-A-L. Vig Vigdal? Vigdal, Edgar Vigdal. Yeah. Now, he is famous for making a game called, on the Amiga, for Deluxe Galaga and Deluxe Pac-Man. Okay, I haven't played those. 
And yeah, so if I'm, I'm sure the, uh, if you grew up with the Amiga, I'm guessing you would have played one of those two games. And then he made a game called Warblade, which was inspired by his, um, deluxe Galaga. So basically it's an inspiration of an inspiration of an inspiration. Yeah. In a long (laughs) roundabout way, this is a vector version of Galaga, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's totally different. And what's cool about this game is it's a top-down shooter. You know, you have the enemies coming in at you, kind of like uh, Galaga. But when you start your ship, you can only shoot two bullets right right off the bat. And then when they're on there tracing along the screen, you can't shoot anything. So you have to kind of time it right. But oh. almost, ev- almost every enemy starts dropping power-ups and money. That sounds very difficult. It, it, you know, just to kind of start, but within, within minutes, you know, you've already powered your ship up. Sometimes you can get dual bullets. Sometimes you can get unlimited. So you're shooting constantly, um, and destroying it. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm playing it on the default setting, which I think is easy if I remember right when I was in there. So it, it's not terribly difficult, I would say, even for a non shoot 'em up person, um, to get into, but yeah, the enemies are constantly dropping, uh, power-ups and, and ships um so and uh, one of the key things to galaga is you can get that beam you guys know what i'm talking about it shoots the beam up and you can you can basically le- or, or i'm sorry the the enemy shoots a beam down and can steal your ship and as long as you have an extra ship you can you know, you know he basically is holding your ship up there and then you can mm. shoot him and drops your ship and you have two ships that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I I'm not so, familiar with too much with yeah, yeah. I, I know the mechanic. Yeah, the mechanic. Yeah. So, it, so what they've done in this version is they drop a power up where you have the beam, and you can pick up an enemy and or two of them, and then they you, know, you can and they stick next to you, and you're shooting all kinds of bullets, and it, it that just sounds gets really cha- cool. chaotic. Yeah, and of course, I mean, if any of you, have you guys ever played a vector arcade machine, I have, but the arcade. When I went to here in, in the arcade in England, I, I played a couple. I don't remember which one they were, but uh, apparently one was not a real vector vector game or something. I don't know. The, my friend told me that. Oh, that's not. This is not a real vector. But there was another one that I saw. Yeah, I played a couple. Just sorry, bit of a ramble there. But I played two or three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it is such a unique. I, you just you can't replicate it. I, I've heard yeah. some people say OLED. You know, if you can get a good OLED TV, that that you can get really razor sharp. Like I, I have Tempest four thousand on my PS4. It looks beautiful on my four K television that I have. But um, you know, vector games they're so unique, and so you know the bullets are just tracing across the screen and mm, absolutely they got the halo, haven't they? Yeah, they've got that. You know, similar to to like the old IBM. You know, phosphor screens, yeah. just like that. You got that is tracing. It like those uh, oscilloscope uh, screens. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. In fact, they took all the oscilloscopes about. and made Vectrix out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, that's what it seems like. It seems like they did. Or is it yeah. Vectri? The Vectri. Oscillo- <laughs> I was going to say oscilloscopes. <laughs> then that sounds like a dinosaur. <laughs> that's yeah, really th- cool. this. This game is great. There's, there's, um, I, I was just playing before we started recording again, and I, I found a, I didn't find it. All of a sudden, I, I went into some weird, like, uh, which I didn't play the first time. I didn't get to it's some almost like a meteor shower where you're, you're dodging in and out of, of, uh, meteors and different things coming down super quick, and I, I wasn't able to beat that. I, I, I found I probably 
got through that like four or five times and I don't know what I did to, to cause it, but there, there's a lot to it since I don't have the manual. Oh, I think I know. I, I watched a video about it. You have to collect leathers or something or extra. Oh. You have them all, then you get the bonus. Uh, then you get the I, bonus I think, stage. I think I've seen that. In a, that in makes perfect video. sense. Yeah. Cause you are collecting letters. That's another thing they're dropping at you. Um, and yeah, and it, it zips over to the side, but yeah, I guess I never put that together because I've only played it for so you, you know, an hour you, or two. You're collecting letters. L yeah, e so you're, you're collecting letters, letters, so it'll spell extra oh. on the side. Extend, yeah. bubble, Extend. bubble. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I I didn't find so there, and then when you get to a certain part, you know, a certain level, like after level five. Yeah, uh, a shop will come up, and you you you've been collecting um, credit, and you can actually buy the power ups that that the enemies drop. I didn't find that very useful because the enemies are just dropping constantly, and maybe that's because I'm playing on easy. I don't know, but I I made it to like level, gosh, like sixteen, I think. But it you're was. good with your shmups, aren't you? I know. I I love my shooters. I I have been trying trying to give, convince Kyle into building me a shooter. I mean, what kind of a friend are you, Kyle? Come on. Yeah, I like build. a shooter as well, Kyle. Make us a shooter, Kyle, yeah, please. Yeah, make us a shooter. Kyle. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a very polite response there. It's so, I mean, it, it can't be hard. <laughs> <laughs> Only takes three years. He's got his mic on mute, yeah? You got you mute. No, I'm just oh, speechless. Okay. <laughs> Speech. I, I thought it only took you like three days to, to code Cleopatra. <laughs> no? Okay. I know. Anyway, ve Vector Blade's great. And if, if you have a Vectrex, and I think you can emulate it. Ah, sure. I'm not going to even test Those three try people that. out there with a Vectrex can I, play it. No, there's a Mr. Core for a Vectrex. So Is it really? Great. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually tried the ve uh, Vectrex on my Mr have to but try that out and see how that looks. A CRT cannot work, like a television cannot be used as a vectrix, can it? Because you, you have to basically tell the beam something different. You, uh, so it has to be built differently, hasn't it? You can rasterize yeah. it. You can make it into an image. It just will never have that beautiful, sharp look because it's going to stair-step yeah. when you pixelate it, essentially. And just the beam on a vector monitor is so much brighter. Like the asteroids bullets burn your eyes when they when you fire from the ship, and it's beautiful. Oh. I love it. Yeah. So what, what is it then? Go so ahead. is it so they 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 kind of build a different tube basically for the Vectrex? They're X Y monitors, so they can pinpoint on the screen anywhere on the screen. So perfect. Right. When a roster draws, it's drawing the lines but, one by on one. And so what the vector monitor is actually doing is rather than drawing those lines across it's drawing the line as the cart or as the game tells it so it draws like the ship as a triangle and it's actually moving the beam inside the yeah. monitor to do those lines and that's why yeah, yeah that's really cool there, there's just nothing like it i mean the closest thing i've seen would be my ibm that 5150 i i put in a, i think a game called blockout it's super sharp and bright and it's 3d images like a like a vector game um and is it is the is these blocks are falling you can see the traces it's similar but it is not the same it's not the i same. think that's just because it's an old it's an old screen that's how you see the traces of it yeah 
that might be <laughs> on just well just the way that it you know it draws on those phosphor screens those phosphors stay lit up for a while as it moves it just oh yeah it. so is the phosphorus thing Okay, kind of reminds sense. me of the Matrix, you know, the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. But. That's why I so badly wanted the green screen on my 5160 as well. I know. I wish we could get you one. Gosh. Um, I've got it. Oh, you did get one. I did you get did. one. I did get one in the end. It's broken. I got to repair it, but there you go. I've got oh, it. I will go. repair that. <laughs> in time. Throw it in the pile. Throw it yeah. in the pile. Yeah. So I see also this Vector Blade is one of the biggest games uh, for Vectrex. 192K, it says here. Yeah, it's and it, it, yeah, it was saying that um, he was set out to do a 64 game, 64K, which is still twice the amount that the Vectrex was supposed to kind of take or handle. And yeah, he ended at 192K. There's a lot to this game. And I mean, it has a whole intro screen where you can choose like, um, I think you can choose like the high score and the settings. And you kind of move your joystick up and down to kind of change, you know, what you want. And it, Oh, the, I don't know. The, the game is absolutely stunning. Um, What's the story behind it? Is there a story? No, as far as like the story in the game or the story behind the development of it? Ah, the story in the game. No, nah, it's just like Galaga, right? Just a simple... You know, arcade game. Yeah, just an arcade game. Mm, just yeah, yeah. shooting ships, I, I, you know. No big story, yeah, yeah, that I can tell. I'm reading here, Vectorblade features over 100 unique levels of gameplay. Wow, that's a lot of levels. Four boss fights. How's the boss fight? Have you reached a boss fight? Well, I think I would. Well, I'm assuming I did. There's the, there are these huge beetle-looking things. that they're, Nice. I, I, I've killed one, and then there was another time. Um, I think I might have been, right. like I said, I was got around level 16 or 17, and there was two of them going back and forth, these huge beetles. And then this other, you know, then you get the alien or the UFO screaming by just shooting at you super quick. And that's when I died. I I couldn't get past him. But I mean, it's a game that I don't think I'll ever stop playing. It's going to be one that I'll easily just, I'm going to pull the Vectrex down. That's probably going to be my go-to game other than the built-in Mindstorm. Was it uh, Mindstorm? Gosh, I can't. Yeah, Mindstorm. You got it right here. Yeah, Mindstorm, Um, which I just love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never tested that. How, how's the music on the Vectrex? Because the only time I've I've seen a Vectrex again was in the arcade club, where you can imagine the the background noise is incredible. You cannot hear anything except that the machines that are the loudest and the Vectrex, they're all the allegedly Vectrex ones weren't audible for me. So I was wondering, what's the sound like? Is it stereo? Is it just beeps? It's it's um it has the I believe it's the AY chip. Um, isn't Which it is able to chip. do samples? Because I think you can just put any sound on it. But when you're limited to 32 kilobytes, you're not really able to put like an entire music track there. That would take yeah. quite a few kilobytes. But somebody even did a port of Bad Apple. You know how when the people yes. port the Bad Apple um, song Demo. to all the different things? Somebody did a Vectrix one, but it was fully sampled music. And they just kind of put it on a flash cart so it could be whatever size they wanted. And it's really impressive. But it's the actual nice. song because it's the full sample. Which I have on the Pytrex. So I was just watching that today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to see that in real life. I'm dying. Yeah, we got it. We got to meet up pretty soon anyway. So yeah, I've got I've got that. There's also it, there is some sample music. What's cool about this Pytrex is when you turn it on, it's 
don't know, it's quiet for about three seconds. And then all of a sudden you hear this Pytrex. Like it actually nice. says Pytrex through the speaker. And I'm like, whoa, the first time I heard that, I was like, that is wild. Um, and, and what's cool about the Pytrex is the cartridge. Um, it's only like $50 Australian, which is, I think like 25 pounds, 30 pounds, maybe it's cheap. And then you got to put the Pi zero in it, which is like you said, cheap. So if you have a Vectrex, I don't know why you would not own a Pytrex. But that's the expensive part, isn't it? So I was looking at the Vectrex last night, I think it was, and it's now slowly climbing up to at least 500 pounds, and if not 600 and and over for a a Vectrex. A bit steep for my pockets. Yeah, that's expensive. I I got lucky. I I have two of them. One of them died on the shelf. (laughs) Maybe you should set one of them on fire as well. (laughs) I might. The one that's broken, I might just set it on fire. Send it to me. Send it to me. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, uh, yeah, I I would definitely recommend this game if if nobody's ever you know you just happen to haven't have seen it. Um, When we were in Portland, there were cartridges for sale, and I remember almost buying one. How much is a cartridge? I think it's about 50 quid i see here no 50 yeah, pounds 50 dollars yeah, yeah. about 50 bucks yeah and i like i said you can buy the whole pytrex for that but doesn't mean i don't want to stick one next to my other box games that kyle doesn't have <laughs> making him kyle. jealous yeah. but then he'll show you his collection of games oh well i, I bet if you go head to head i don't know who wins there with all these oh, games kyle 100 kyle. kyle oh i only saw a fraction of it then okay yeah 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 um it's cool that it also apparently saves your progress. This game, I didn't know. I, I didn't even know Vectors has had any saving capabilities, but apparently it does save your progress. Is that right? Have you tried that? I, um, well, it does. On uh, at least on the Pytrex, it does save to it. Like my high score is still on there. Um, but as far as like the actual cartridge you would buy for it, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure if it would save to the cartridge or not. It does but, say so. So hmm, maybe yes. Does it? Does um. Do games have like save states on on the Pytrex or, or on the Vectrex? This is just a genuine curiosity question for me because I know nothing about the Vectrex as much as I feel fascinated from it. Can you save stuff? Like if you're in the middle of the game, can you save it or is it just a switch off kind of machine and then you... As far as I know, it's just a switch off. It's just an arcade, you know. Um, the Pytrex, I, I hit a combination on my controller today where it said, are you sure you want to save state? your Vectrex, depending on your SD card, it might take 30 seconds. I was like, what? Again, I only have had the Pytrex running for about two, two two-ish, two and a half weeks. And so I haven't had much time with it. So apparently I can do safe states there, but I haven't messed with that much. No, that's pretty cool though. I, I, yeah, if it, if it went down in price, I would consider it, but, um, it's never going to go down. I, yeah, this is that, this is the, Kyle and I have been talking about the collecting bubble because we're both collectors from from years and years and years ago. Mm. And when I met him, oh, you think that it's gonna it's got to pop at some point? It's it hasn't. It's been twelve years since I've known Kyle, and everything just keeps steadily climbing. Oh, so, it's generational. I think it's gonna pop, but not this generation. Maybe, maybe, but like something like this. By the time my grandkids are around, that thing's gonna be long dead anyway. So. Oh, did say that. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for that, Mark. Uh, I think uh, next up we have Weedo. So, um, yeah, go for it. What have you been playing? I've been playing so much of Inscription, uh, which is just a 
a, a newish PC game. So I do you know this this game? I thought you mentioned. It's, I think you mentioned it before. Am I wrong? Oh yeah, it's 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 released in 2021, and uh, it's just made for modern uh, platforms. And okay. It's, uh, a, a deck builder game with uh, escape room elements. So you're stuck in a wooden cabin, and there's in the in the shadow in the corner there's some guy sitting there, and he plays a card game with you, mm-hmm. and um, it's a matter of life and death. So you, when you when you uh, lose then uh, from him, then he will kill you. So uh, and you can also walk around in that ca- cabin to find. Uh, stuff to help you and the idea is that the game is actually way too hard to win from the guy but uh there's all kinds of things you can do to break the card game uh for example yeah there's so so many uh, mechanics for example when you die he takes a photograph of you and you can make your own new card and you can use that in the <laughs> next round and uh, okay. uh you can use that uh, in advance to to win it from him so you have to do it over and over and over like a roguelike game yeah and, that's uh, pretty cool until you f- finally win it from him and then the rabbit hole goes deep in that game there's a lot of fourth wall breaking stuff there's really weird stuff happening and it's just an insane game so it it takes over my life when i play that it's crazy how, how long does a round really last for sorry how long around? does it so you, you uh, do a game of cards no so it finishes at a certain point and then you have to do it over again you said so how long yeah is it but one you round? have to, you have to uh every time when you win a round then you you go uh, further in the game so and then you ah. get boss fights and stuff like that and uh, there's constantly new mechanics and you have to uh yeah win it from the scary guy in the corner it's so, what's the boss fight look like in a card game <laughs> that sounds uh... yeah uh the, the scary guy puts up an, another mask and the game mechanics change a little and you have to learn that as well and, okay. it, and it's uh, uh, also a little bit harder uh fight so you have to uh, he he brings new cards to the table you've never seen before and he has some uh ways to cheat uh, against you and yeah, you have to uh, figure out the mechanics of that boss as well. So I, I've been playing this game for, I think, 20 hours or something. Uh, yeah. It goes on and on and on. It's it, Every time there's something new happening and uh, it's really crazy game. It's really... And uh, don't look anything up for the, of this game. There's a lot of spoilers. This is only the beginning what i tell you and uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a yeah. crazy game if you know the the, the developer uh, daniel mullins he made a lot of these games and they're all really crazy and uh, i rec- rec- recommend them i think but i've got this on that, my wish list of course that's that's not a game on an uh, old system no. i tried that uh, fallen crown uh, alpha uh, oh atavis games he's such a nice chap He's such a nice uh, chap. Yeah, Atavist Games, I think. Yeah, he's Atavist. Yeah. I don't know what his name actually is, but uh, the developer is Atavist Games. And uh, when you watch him or follow him on Twitter, you see this game and it's way too beautiful to be a Game Boy Color game, but it is. Yeah, yeah, I've tried it as well, yeah. And uh, I think it's... it's uh, I, I tried it a little. It's an alpha game, uh, alpha version, so it's, it's really really rough uh, around the edges but you can see the early stages of 
how this game will be in the future. And mm. it's, I think it feels a bit like Zelda 2-ish gameplay-wise. Mm -hmm. Like a side-scrolling uh, hack-and-slash game. Yeah, and and platforming. Okay. Mm. A bit like Pig's Quest. A bit like Pig's Quest, but uh, a lot easier. <laughs> and, <laughs> Don't tell this. But it has the same kind of humor as well. It's, uh, it, it doesn't look humorous uh, when you look look at the screenshot, but uh, they, they're making jokes and uh, it's quite, quite funny. Before you continue, just a second. I was going to say one thing uh, as an intro, just because you said it, it's, it, it looks beautiful. So the, I was really struck by this game. I just tested a demo that he had put up. And I was really impressed from the Game Boy Color because I was not expecting it to be able to do so, I don't know, so many colors and stuff. So maybe you can now take that from here and, and say, yes, it's like this, because I was just like, blown away from it. Uh, I think it's the best the best looking Game Boy Color game I've seen yet. Uh, especially yeah. a lot of parallax scrolling, a lot of different colors on screen at the same time. Uh, really nice uh, detailed artwork when characters are speaking to each other. It's it's cr crazy beautiful, but yeah, it's still what I say, really rough around the edges. Uh, the gameplay is still in the works, and it seems that it will be a really big game. But I, I fear it's way too ambitious to for its own good. I, 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 that, that's my fear. Maybe th that guy is a brilliant programmer, but it looks so ambitious what he wants to do. And I, I really hope it will be a really nice game. But uh, I, I now, think it it's will. Just, I, I it's, have high hopes for that. Yeah, you can, you can change uh, classes on the fly. Uh, there's, there's already a lot of uh, game mechanics in there. Wow. And, uh, and the jumping feels right. And there's sort of nice combat uh, mechanics where you can dodge roll and stuff so there there's stuff in there but uh yeah for now i i, I noticed a lot of bugs of course and uh, yeah, yeah it was yeah. really glitchy and stuff of course it's an alpha version so I, I, I can't say a lot about it any more than this but it it looks really beautiful we'll keep an eye on it i'm very interested in this one as well because yeah it's yeah so beautiful yeah yeah it's that's why i tried it just Check it out. It's uh, it's free to check out the alpha version, and uh, he really likes to have some feedback on it as well. So I encourage everyone to check it out and uh, send him a message uh, when you find something uh, new. My feedback is wow, <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah. I think he knows that it uh, <laughs> that it's beautiful. I, I don't know if he's alone. They call themselves Atavist Games, but I don't know if it's a single developer or. Maybe uh, he has some help for gameplay. I hope he has, because uh, the graphics are so good, the, the pixel art. That yeah, the, yeah, I completely I really agree wish with that. it will be a really nice game. I like the and idea that you're like a little skeleton head with little legs. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're first you're a skeleton and then you fall down a well and then you lose your body and you're only the head of the, the skeleton. It's, it's really crazy. And yeah, what I said, it's pretty funny. So... Yeah, and the last game I played. Uh, sorry, I bring three three games this year. This time, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, it's one of my favorite PC games I played last year. It's a game from uh, Daniel Ramar, and it's called Hero Core. Okay, it's, it's actually released as freeware on PC on in 2010, mm -hmm. and he released the source code in 2013, and that's why. Uh, even Bauman uh, 
exported it to the GBA now. And that I think he did it in the end of last year. And he's still working on it. I think I saw an update two days ago. So. Oh, so it's not finished yet? Well, it's, I think, for 95% playable. But there, there's still uh, two bosses missing. And um, the, the dialogue and the cutscenes are cut out. But it's not something game-breaking. You can play the whole game through, uh, especially because it's an uh, it's um, uh, it's a Metroidvania game, but not a platformer which we often see. But it's more like a shoot 'em up uh, Metroidvania, where you uh, navigate with a guy with a jetpack through uh, different uh, screens. And what you can do in this game is you can fly to the boss directly but you're you don't have the skills yet to beat it so what you do is explore the world and find uh, other uh, easier bosses and kill them to get gain more abilities and if you think oh now i can handle that boss then you can fly to the main uh, boss and uh, and kill it and of course there's people who speed run this game and fly to the boss directly and kill it because they are really skillful, but it's quite a tough game. It's uh, the almost bullet hell sometimes. Where it's like a it could be a, a ZX Spectrum game nearly. It looks like Gato Roboto, like here. The there's just a black and white palette. It's yeah, like... it's it's a monochrome game, and it looks a little bit, a bit like an Atari Twenty Six Hundred game, but higher resolution. Uh, it's really basic art style, but it's really Ooh, charming. You... You raised a good question here. Is a Spectrum, ZX Spectrum, just a high-res Atari 2600? Who knows? <laughs> Mark shakes his head. No. <laughs> no. Kyle is I, disgusted. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm impressed with the way some of the stuff that comes out on the Spectrum looks gorgeous. I mean, the 2600 is so chunky. Uh, Pixel-wise, the Spectrum's, I mean, they're uh, jetpack, I mean is the game that I always think of now when I hook my Spectrum. It's beautiful. Mm. Have you seen Bruxolico? I think Bruxolico, I don't know how you say it, but uh, it's one of the games Diego picked for the last episode, I think. And Har that art style is... Is it Harlequin? Sorry. Is that what it's called? It's called Bru Bruxolico. Bruxolico. It's oh, no. B-R-U-X-O-L-I-C-O, I think, if I, if I did it correctly. And it's got a very, very bizarre and unique art style. I think uh, on the ZX Spectrum, really, really incredible what they pull out uh, of the of their hats doing this stuff. But yeah, it just it's a monochrome game, so it's um, it looks really nice. It, it, it looks really basic, but it's it fits the gameplay really well, and it's really uh, read readable. You, you see where the bullets are, and that's really uh, easy to read. And uh, yeah, it, hmm, so I think it's beautiful. Game, it's it, in simplicity. Yeah, so the aim of the okay, the aim of the game is to get to the end and just destroy the boss. But you can get there immediately, and you're not ready, and then you have to basically gear up. You have and to explore the world. Uh, different. Uh, you have to gain different abilities. For example, you have an ability to um, to have a sword where you can uh, destroy uh, bricks. So some in some <laughs> cases there are some bricks. Uh, 
uh, which um, uh, which blocked progression to another screen. And if you have that sword, you can uh, destroy those bricks, and then you can uh, go to that screen. So you can explore the the world, and there's a lot of stuff to explore and there's a lot of other bosses where you, which you can kill and some bosses also open new gates so you can go to other places in the world and it has a lot of screens let's see if i can find it i love the idea that i'm a badass like i've got this sword and a jetpack and then i go with a sword and a jetpack and i and i destroy bricks <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> the, was this the one yeah uh, was this the one that was a uh, part of the gba competition because i think i actually played through this whole thing yes and absolutely loved it and i was like man they made such a in-depth game for a competition and then i found out it was a port and i was like oh that makes sense because the design was off the charts for essentially a game jam yeah he made i think he ported it for originally for a game jam yeah that's that's true uh yeah but it's it's a direct port with some stuff even missing but i'm glad he continued uh, working on it because i think he he um uh, he stopped after that game jam, and I, I read now on itch the last update is eight hours ago, and in between there was nothing. So he, he suddenly, maybe because he, I commented on his itch, <laughs> he suddenly he's working on it again, and I'm really glad. Uh, it would be f uh, really nice if it's feature complete because uh, yeah, that game is just insanely good, and especially also. One thing I have to note, the music is so good in this game. I really love this music. It's one of my favorite uh, uh, music soundtracks. It's it's sort of chiptune uh, music. And it's really, it really uh, brings uh, the, the game to another level. It's it's really a phenomenal game. So I urge everyone to play, the, play this game on PC or on GBA. I think it's a really fitting system for uh, for this game. GBA uh, is is uh, is what you're recommending. Does it just can it run on the GB color Game Boy Color? No, no, it's only Game Boy uh, Advance. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, Game Boy Advance and uh, what did you say? PC. Yeah, originally it uh, released on PC, so you can play that. Nice. Uh, for okay. Free yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I need to try uh, this. It's just a phenomenal game, and uh, nobody talks about this game, so I. <laughs> I just want to say, play everybody go play Hero Core. It's a really great game, and you can f uh, find uh, the GBA port on itch. And, Is it free? Uh, the, it's free, and also the the PC version is on uh, Remar's Daniel Remar's own website, and you can download it for free there as well. So that's that's really go cool. check it out. It's got like a. Um a stretched aspect ratio in some screenshots and another other ones looks like like four thirds i don't know is it is that what what's the deal uh what's it on um i, I forgot now the game boy advance what aspect ratio has the screen got i think it's, it's like a, a more wide angle it's, it's not super wide but it's a little bit it's not it, square yeah. I should know this better, but I don't. I think it's <laughs> yeah, two lines less than like a um, normal screen. So when I was looking at porting my game to it, I found that I'd have to actually make the screen scroll up and down. So it's missing like oh. two lines of tiles, essentially. Um, so it's the same screen, guys. Just 
much it's thinner. It's really, really cool. Is there a story behind it as well? I don't even know. I always like to know if there's a progression, if you, if you yeah, if there's a story. Yeah. Actually, this is a sequel to a game I never played. And mm. But um, what I know is that you're... Well, I, I can read the story. Wait. Okay, <laughs> you read are the Flip story. Hero. You Flipper. are Flip Hero, a robot who has turned on his former master, Cruiser Tetron, <laughs> and has been given the task of destroying Tetron in order to save the Earth. Tetron oh. is the beggar boss, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's the that's a boss. And what you can do in this game as well is um, also explore even more and find the 10 secret computers for an alternate ending. Nice. So, uh, so you can even do more. I hope the, that ending is actually implemented in the GBA version. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this uh, maybe Kyle, you played it all the way through. Have you seen the ending or? Um, I know I beat the final boss, but it's been I kind of fired up every game in the Game Boy Jam, and I just got completely addicted and beat that whole game. But I don't remember the actual ending and what happened. <laughs> just like, oh yeah. yeah, that was an amazing experience for a Game Jam game. Yeah, it's, it's like when you're tripping. It's also pretty short. I think you can play it through in two hours, I guess. Something like that. I mean, usually... Depending on how much you explore. With a Game Jam game, though, you get like five, ten minutes out of it, and you're like, oh, that was a cool concept. So two hours out of a Game Jam game is just absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, it looks, looks really nice here. Um, uh, really curious about the, if you get upgrades, what kind of upgrades you get and all that sort of stuff. Can you save your progress or uh, probably yeah, not, isn't it? It's the yeah? saving. And also um, every save point uh, also works as a, a warp point. And every, uh, uh, in every moment of the game, you can just uh, hold A and B together and then you can warp back to the last save uh, point. So you can... More oh, that's pretty quick. Yeah, that's explore really... explore the map. It's like if a quick save. If you, are, if you go into a dead end of the map, you can just warp back to any save point you have been, and you can uh, explore over there, which is really makes it a really streamlined experience. Yeah, definitely want to test this one as well. Uh, put it on my list as the repair list. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it updates it until it's it's finished. But uh, yeah. It's promising when they when he updates. So uh, I'm glad. And uh, there's it's also open source the GBA part. So maybe someone else could finish it. Uh, but as is, it's it's good enough. Good. Uh, if any, no one else has anything to say about Hero Core. Uh, we can move on. I've played the game that Kyle's made, but not only me. Also, we do had a had a, a look at it quite quite a lot. In fact, we played Kyle's game, which is. Um, Jesse Jager in Cleopatra's Curse. Well, let's say first of all, kudos for making such a game on the Turbo Graphics 16, if that's correct. And uh, it's it was quite mind blowing for me to see a game on the Turbo Graphics 16, uh, anyways, because I don't own one, and it was I think it's the first one I I've played to be honest. So yeah, there you go. You're. I've, uh, I'm not going to record this, but I'm saying you pop my cherry <laughs> <laughs> on on the Turbo Graphics. So there you go. Nice one, Kyle. Nice one. <laughs> Another notch on the belt. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, 
what's this game about? So I was greeted, first of all, with a very arcadey vibe when I managed to make it work. So I used an emulator, obviously, because I, I, it's one of the few platforms that I do not own. And when I booted it up, it was really gave me really good vibe, like an arcade vibe. And I really like arcades. So this was already a big plus. And I thought, wow, look at that. That looks really good. And I started the game. Uh, I I don't really know the the background story to it. I because I obviously I I I've played a digital version kindly given to me by Kyle, so I don't have the manual. I don't know the story. I don't know if Kyle would like to just give a bit of background story. I mean, it's kind of just supposed to be your grandfather gets cursed by Cleopatra, and that's what that intro screen is. The mummies chase him. He bumps into Cleopatra's tomb. She gets freed. She turns him to stone. And your whole thing is to uh, get into the same tomb and free her, free him from her curse. Right. And so that's where the whole Cleopatra's curse, and it's kind of supposed to be, it's very light on the story elements. It's a five-second cutscene as the game opens to give you kind of the background. Right, okay. In fact, that's what happens. In fact, that's exactly what Kyle said. You, you, the first screen is this uh, grandpa that basically bumps into the, what's it called, sarcophagus, and then Cleopatra comes down from the top and, and apparently takes him away, and then you have to find him. And... Um, you are a little character. It's is it a female character? That right? Yes, Jesse's yeah. female, and yeah, Jesse, cute and wearing a little plaid skirt and all that fun stuff. And uh, she moves around very well. I mean, controls very well for me. And you have to move around this environment and try to find the final room to where where your grandfather's held, and then free free him. So this is kind of the basics uh, story behind it and the, the realization of it it was initially it was very difficult for me so i i've started it so it's a platformer and it's a scrolling platformer with different rooms you can move between the rooms uh, quite easily there are enemies who fly about there are bats there are mummies and each one cobras, has cobras <laughs> in, in jars that spit fire at you <laughs> And they all the they bane all of my existence. Those yeah. <laughs> so as you can hear, we do we just played this a lot. We actually streamed this on our Twitch channel and now I think the replay is available on YouTube as well. Um yeah. So initially the 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 big thing of this was there was a lot of puzzles in it. So it's a platformer with puzzles. Uh, the puzzles usually assume the form of find a key and then basically try and move along and Let's say move to the next stage and move further on in, in the levels. There are several what I, I like to call, with my terminology, the gatekeepers. So people wearing Anubis masks and with, a, with, a, with a stick or a, a staff or something that they hit the ground on. And when you go on them, they will show you what key they need. And then you've got to find that key and somewhere in the level and take it to them. And then they will unlock, usually, an extended path so you can go down to there and progress. You also have to be careful to all the enemies that are surrounding, so all, all the enemies that are in the cer certain level, and uh, obviously they will try and kill you. Some of them come after you. Some of them have like a predefined path, like the bats, for example. Um, and then there are other ones that are just like spiked balls that go left to right. Then I think it's um, it's a lot to explain. We'll get to, into it uh, quite quite soon, but slowly. 
Um, so this hero is originally has nothing and you have to jump around and you have to find some stuff in order to progress. There are some parts that without gear you can't get to. Uh, so you simply put, you need to find all the passages that need lead to that gear and get it if they're hidden behind passages. Otherwise, if they're there, you have to find them and pick them up and, and go and get these weapons and use the weapons or other other things that you can find around. So, uh, such as the whip and uh, the, yeah, which is also is a weapon, but also a way to move around the screens, as we will see shortly. What really caught, caught me is the vastity of this game is enormous. So this game is very, 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 very big. I think Kai has done a brilliant job of including a map here. And you, you can access the map, I think, uh, by pressing the run button. And the map is very useful into showing you where you are because the levels are very big. So it does a very good job of that. And it helps you a lot. Does it show you only where you've been or also what awaits you? ahead it shows you where you've been but then obviously the parts where you've not been to are let's say completely blanked out so you can't see them until you've been in them it's a game where you have to backtrack as well i think so if i recall correctly you have to go to certain points so and maybe then you have to go all the way back to escape depending on the level um that's my my guess i haven't finished it all i have seen a lot of it but i haven't finished it and that's kind of a big de design philosophy for me i mean that's kind of what makes a metroidvania versus something that's just kind of a linear platformer is the idea that you have to backtrack that you are have seen a path but now you can open a new path through the paths you've already seen because of upgrades that come through and so when you design a game like a metroidvania i feel like backtracking really needs to be rewarded through these things and a lot of the power-ups you see in the game are just slightly off a path you've already been and sometimes you can see the um, the switches there are switches in the levels that maybe open certain areas and you can see them uh, from a position that you maybe cannot reach right that moment it's 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 done well in that respect but first of all one of my questions that i had that i didn't ask you on the stream because i wanted to ask you today is what inspired you to make this game and why also that the egyptian sort of setting um, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, it started as a port of another game that I was friends with the developer and I'm like, Hey, I could port your game. Um, our friend had just passed and I really needed something to just dive into. And so I was like, Hey, I'm going to try and port this game. But very quickly I was like, yeah, I don't really like this way this game is going. I want this more Metroidvania style. And it just quickly spiraled into my completely own game. And so <laughs> that's kind of where the genesis of the game came from, is lots of time just to kind of distract myself and dive into it and wanting to make my own thing after, you know, seeing what a friend had done and being like, hey, do you want me to port this? And actually, now it's my thing. <laughs> um, he was a bit disappointed in finding out his game wasn't ported. Uh, it was a mutual thing. We decided to part ways very quickly. They they didn't like what I had done with all my things, and they didn't want to spawn a different name sequel in their series. So right. it was mutual, and I was happy for it to be my own thing at that point. Um. But yeah, the Egyptian theme, I just love Egypt. I love all that stuff. And it's rich. Um, all of the god statues are various gods. And I tried to like match them with their area. Like the god of water is Sobek. And that's the statue you see in the water area. 
Yeah. So you just have a love for Egypt, basically. Is uh, yeah. But well, that's cool. I, I used to be really fascinated. I still am, to be honest. Uh, from Egyptians in general, in Egypt, uh, it's uh, really quite a fascinating um, culture. That is, in a nutshell, the game. The realization of the game is, again, I still think it's very hard uh, as, a, as for me. I am not a, a nimble finger as Weedo probably is. That's why I asked him to help me out and, and stream it. So I found it very, very difficult, especially in the beginning. But I didn't realize um, I was without any it weapons. Harder. <laughs> it gets harder. It gets harder. <laughs> <laughs> but also when you start off you don't have anything so i was just like really struggling because i thought well i don't have any weapons and i just kept on going forward without any weapons and then clearly there was paths that weren't meant to be uh, for me yet because they were too difficult or too big to to jump over or stuff like that so i knew there was something missing but i just i i couldn't find it but once i found uh the weapon so the first weapon i think you find is the boomerang which is really really an interesting choice <laughs> for for someone going in uh, in Egypt uh, that would be interesting for you to 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 say also why why you chose a boomerang so it's kind of going to give away the game i port was going to port but that's kind of the only weapon in that game and so it was that and it just felt like okay that's the first thing that they're going to get it's the best kind of ranged attack weapon it's the easiest to use but um you quickly find the whip thereafter and that became the focus of the game is Weedo either loves me or hates me for <laughs> <laughs> well yeah the, the, um, the whip mechanic is really interesting I think that uh, it, it really uh, when you get that whip then suddenly the game changes into a sort of acrobatic game or something you have to really be uh, good with uh, the swinging around with the whip on the on the poles uh, everywhere, and uh, there's everywhere there's like uh, little poles where you can stick your whip and you can swing around on it like a grappling hook, and uh, yeah, you have to jump at the right moment from that from that uh, swing and uh, shoot again and uh, on the right angle you have to. Uh, whip again to another pole and it's really really tough to uh, to do but also really rewarding if you get it uh, get it done and it's uh, luckily I had Cal with me to, to give me some hints to to make it easier because it's it's not a easy mechanic to uh, get uh, get used to but uh, if you get used to it then uh, then it's really cool and I think what I've seen, there's so so much uh, whipping around and uh, <laughs> whipping around, around. And, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, which is quite interesting because I initially thought it would be more combat-based game, but I think it's just those enemies are just to there to annoy you, and you can most of the time just ignore them and do your uh, do your business uh, in the in the levels i found the whip the, the worst part of the game um, <laughs> and, and, and let me yeah this here you know because kyle's one of my best friends i can easily tell him these things but the uh <laughs> it, it was hard before he finished the game we you know it was harder than it is now <laughs> he he Uh-oh. had to he had to adjust the pixels to you know to, to where the whip would work and i still to this day still struggle to get to, to perfect it. And I, and I think it's, it's not a lack of, um, 
uh, of poor programming or anything like that. It is, it is just my old age that it my my, you know, dexterity is getting worse the older I get. But, but like you, like you said, I agree. Once, once you get that whip mechanic down, it is so cool to, you know, cause you, there's some levels where you've got, or, or screens. And the other thing we should mention, it's not a scrolling, it's, it's a flip screen game. And I actually find some, some people I know was asking Kyle, well, why wouldn't you make it a scrolling game? And he could have, but it makes the game smaller, honestly. And, and having a flip screen, I find also an interesting choice. I mean, did you, did you choose that Kyle? Because you decided you wanted it to it gets it bigger or it gives you more of like, Oh, I know where this is at. This is that. So it was originally you know, just because it was a part of this game. Right. And that was the game I was porting. But what I found as a, you know, starting in this genre of Metroidvania and all that, it really gave me a chance to design each screen by screen um, and design each screen as a challenge rather than trying to design an entire level at once with all of these challenges. Each screen is its own like, okay, they need to get from this point to this point. How do I make it fun? How do I make it somewhat difficult or you know, a lot more difficult than I thought it was. <laughs> um, but it was kind of setting in those individual challenges up. And I think the game really works well because I was able to design challenge by challenge rather than trying to design an entire levels challenge. And yeah, I think yeah, that makes sense in the future. I could design scrolling with that experience, but really the screen by screen was such a great experience for me to learn how to design these challenges. Um, now I just need to learn how to design them easier. <laughs> no, I don't think you do. I, I think the challenge is fun. It's hard, but, but again, I feel like, you know, time, I don't know for, for me personally, the older I get and the more things I have access to, the less time I give a game. So if I get frustrated with a game relatively quick, I'll probably bounce off and to go to something else. But this is kind of a game where I think if you get frustrated quick or you don't like the whip mechanic, I think it can easily put people off. But I think if you continue to keep going after it, it it's rewarding. I mean, it's a big game. How many screens is it? 480. Bleaky neck. 480. 480. Yeah, that's a so, lot. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Play, I played it's it on stream for game. three hours, I think. Yeah. And it, it got to 50% with... Uh, when I had uh, a lot of guidance from Kyle where to go. So if I, if I didn't have that, it probably took me at least an hour longer where to go. So I think uh, I think it will take you uh, around eight, uh, eight hours to beat it or something for the first With time. With guidance. It might even be longer. Yeah. I mean, I, I had Kyle help me walk through it once, and I think we were about four hours, Kyle. Does that sound right? Yeah. Night? Um, so I find that... There's the people who do speed runs is like their life and they get through the first playthrough in three hours and it's like, boom, just done. <laughs> and then there's, you know, more casual gamers and it's taken them eight to 10 hours. Um, and it's just a wild difference. Like we did a mystery tournament where a bunch of people who had never played it played through the game. And you had the people who do a lot of mystery games get through the first two areas in 40 minutes. And I think Weedo is about two hours at that point. So it's just wild how different it can be from people who are really into the speedrun community and really just like pick up games and go through them as fast as possible. 
the more pa um, casual gamers that you know aren't trying to optimize every little movement yeah and, and you can really optimize this game uh, i think even speedrunners i hope there's a, a speed run, run community for this game because if you have that ripping down i think you you can uh, you can fly through this game but of course i failed a lot of times uh, doing that and luckily there is no real fail you you don't really get punished when you fail with a whipping or well later on you do but initially you you just fall down on the ground and you can try again Later on, there's lava pits and stuff run down you. So, <laughs> so you can't. So you don't, but at least don't it doesn't kill you. At least it doesn't kill you right away, right? Like you can fall into some spikes and it, you lose half of a heart. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Which, I haven't which, said which, this. Sorry, I haven't said this, but the, yeah, you have three hearts when you start off with, and every time you get hit, you takes half a half, half a heart yeah, off. Can, sorry, and you can upgrade, find new hearts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. More, uh, more, uh, a longer so, health yeah. bar. And this this actually brings me to the the point where you actually designed a shop as well, which uh, which is a shopkeeper really. And you and when you hover the shopkeeper, you can access all the items that can be sold, which there are quite a few there. But uh, you can also get another life. You can get an extension of your life bar, which is all useful stuff, especially for the end. <laughs> Um, and you can save a game. So that is a brilliant thing because I was really, really thinking, oh my God, if I have to start all this again, before I met, the, before I stumbled upon the shopkeeper, I was really thinking, I, if this ends now, I don't know if I'm going to pick it up again. But with a save game, that was such a good good thought to put, to, to put that in and that, that made me go back time again. So I could just start off where I left it. And I think that, yeah, that made the longevity of it for me extend a lot. So I think well done for that. <laughs> yeah, two notes on that. That cost me a lot of money. So when you produce physical carts, it's probably about 50% more to have that hardware on the cartridge for like the Sega version to say, oh, um, for Turbo CD, it just writes and Turbo Hue card, it just writes. But even for like the Game Boy version, which we haven't talked about yet, um, that's going to cost me like 50% more per cartridge, but to me it felt worth it for the experiential part. And I didn't want people to have to enter passwords. Nobody likes entering a 50 character long password and getting some lowercase or uppercase number wrong. So yeah, it yeah, just I felt agree. worth it. Um, it's just a better experience. The other problem I kind of see a lot is that, again, I made the game way too hard in the beginning and so a lot of people never reach that first shopkeeper and they get frustrated when they get the game over because they haven't seen the shopkeeper in retrospect i really would have moved the shopkeeper earlier so that you can save mm -hmm. your progress and you can keep going back to that shopkeeper um it was just a kind of a mistake of arrogance and being too good at my own game that I expected. But it's oh. not, it's not, I don't think it's uh, that. So we, we just, I, I kind of, before, if you would have said, told me this before, yes, but then we've just um, had a, a chat with the guys who made Pig's Quest, which suffers, in, well, I thought, I thought it suffered from the same sort of problem, being too hard, because what happens is the devs play these games over and over and over again. They get so good and so tweaked and tuned to the mechanics of the game that they've built that for them they just breeze through them so anyone who who takes them afterwards 
finds them extremely hard because then what does the developer think? Oh, it's too easy for me. I've played it only 50 hours and I'm so I'm, I'm too good and you know it's so easy. And they add more and more and more. And the people who come afterwards then find it extremely difficult. So this is what what happened. And with Pig's Quest, but also with this game, so with um, uh, Jesse Jager, I think after a while I was playing, it became easier for me. So it's one of those games that, again, I I will repeat this in, in this episode as well. It's like, it's a real game. You need to invest time in it. Uh, if you don't have time, tough, but you need to invest time and, and you have to become good at it. And and the more you do that, the more you progress. It's, uh, it's not a game, you know, it's a retro game. And that's the kind of feel it has, you know. And you just you just got to put the hours in. Sonic didn't solve itself, didn't guide you by hand and say, come here, save the game. No, you, you finished. Game over, mate. Go again. Until, like my partner, she finishes Sonic with one credit. And, but she p- poured loads of hours in it. And uh, and she's that good. And, and so you can become good and, and make it good. So I think maybe the truth st- stands a bit in between, you know? So a bit of... um of a compromise on difficulty, but also not too easy. So people just do it in an hour and just go, meh. It's good to have a challenge. Yeah, but, but, um, what <laughs> I thought, the first. Uh, I, I, I want to ask, there is a life system in this or soul system mm-hmm. in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, normally when you play uh, modern, but even not even that modern, like Super Metroid, for example, doesn't have lives. You can just, uh, when you die, you go back to the last save station and that's it. So you can't really game over in that game. Why did you choose those lives? Because I think only uh, scra- scrapping those lives would make it a lot more, less punishing, this game. Mm, probably because I like punishing, I think, at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you Battletoads is one of my favorite games and... You get your three continues and you get your three lives and just, you know, if you game over in Queen's Tower, start from scratch. And I think that just, you know, we talk about retro games and there was no guarantee back in the day that you would beat something like Bionic Commando or you would beat Battletoads Mm -hmm. or you'd beat, I guess Ninja Gaiden has infinite continues, but I still can't beat it. Like there's (laughs) a lot of retro games that just, if you don't make it to the end, the developers weren't like, oh, well, here, let me make sure you can make it to the end. Uh, and I guess that's kind of how I was raised. So that's what I wanted to do. Maybe in retrospect, that wasn't the best idea, but um, there's plenty of games. Yeah, it's, it's still pretty forgiving when you go to the shop, you can still buy new life mm-hmm. for pretty cheap, but... Uh, it was the same as Leicester, the game I uh, played uh, several uh, episodes ago. It, has, it was also Metroidvania with lives, and I, I normally don't see that in Metroidvanias. Even on, on Metroid games or or Castlevania games, they don't have lives. So that's quite new uh, and, and a bit harsh sometimes. Yeah, I guess it kind of harks back to some of the... Uh inspirations like i'm pretty sure bionic commando doesn't give you infinite continues and bionic commando was a big inspiration um and once you die in bionic commando three times i think you have like two continues but um i felt like kind of the save point too because there's almost three levels of punishment right there's the you lose all your hearts or you lose a heart if you make a mistake 
If you lose all your hearts, you go back to the last god statue you touched. And if you die completely, you have to go back to your last save. And so it's kind of those three levels of essentially punishment for failure. But it's but, cushioning. Yeah. It's but, cushion, Yeah, it's very cushioned. But without um, completely losing your progress through the entire game, because you can always go back and reload a save. And after that ah, first initial... I didn't realize that, yeah. After that, you know, initial punishment period that was just, like I said, I felt just too difficult. If I'd put that save place much earlier in the game, I feel like it would have been less difficult. But um, it just feels like a good balance there to me. Is, is, is that something you are going to change in the other ports? Or is it just... Um, I really like... So the Game Boy version is kind of the last port to do. Um, and I wanted it to just feel kind of like the old DuckTales game. <laughs> like when they took NES DuckTales and shoved it onto yeah, the Game Boy. It, yeah. It's that game, just smaller. And I so I thought yeah. about, do I want to make the save point earlier? And the answer was no, because I wanted it to feel like, oh, I've been here. This is the same thing, just at different pixel sizes. Hmm. Uh, since we're at it, can we just talk about the ports a second? Because uh, we don't mention Game Boy. We've already mentioned it before. How many ports are, are upcoming? So um, we have Turbo CD and Sega Genesis done with me working on the Mega Drive and Hucard, which should hopefully be done this year. Um, and then I'm working on a Game Boy slash Game Boy Color compatible version and hopefully also using that same code and putting on the Sega Game Gear. Mm, okay. But he, he, he forgot to mention, Kyle, you still got to make me a CD32 port for my Amiga. No. It's no, it's, it's no. perfect. It's absolutely <laughs> perfect. It already has all the buttons on the controller. And I'm like I've been I've been telling Kyle, I'm like there is nothing like that on the Amiga. How cool would it be to have Jesse on the Amiga CD? That's only like 10,000 hours of my life to put it on a system no one's going <laughs> to play it on. <laughs> I'm going to play it on it. I'm going to play it on it. Come on, Kyle. You haven't even played it on the Turbo CD without me sitting there. Well, that's fair. That's fair. But no, I I, I can't can't bug him. I'm like, why can't you? I mean, can't you just move the code to an Amiga code? It's not that hard. (laughs) Famous last words. Only takes him into retirement, poor thing. (laughs) No, but I mean, come on. Anybody out there listening that has an Amiga CD32, you want want a homebrew game on there. Let's Let's get one there. Come on, Kyle. It oh, you'd be the, the first to run. Oh, amazing. Imagine to be the only person who make a, makes a, a homebrew for the Amigas. See, I'm CD putting the pressure on them. It, between that and building me a shooter, I need something. I'm going to put it on the <laughs> Super A can before I put it on. I, I want the a shooter. Super. I want a shooter too, please. I love shooters. Uh, yeah, we need some shooters and I need some Amigas. Maybe you can build me an Amiga CD32 shooter and then that would appease me. That um, hardware is so nothing. hard to code for. And there's not a community around it. So one of the great things about all of these platforms is there's an entire community of support. I am not an assembly programmer. So um, people have developed C compilers for every one of these platforms. uh, And that has really just enabled me to make these games and to bring my code, my C code from one to another. And even if I'm having to copy my own code, it's much easier to copy C code 
from one platform to another very quickly. There's got to be something out there that, uh, that ports it to the Amiga. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even if there's a C compiler. Maybe. <laughs> no. There's got to be. There's, I, what's, ah, it's it's stuck in my brain. There's a, uh, there's a new thing that, there's a new code or a, uh, engine that people are coding all kinds of like arcade games and stuff on the Amiga. Do you know what that is, Wido? Is that I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, Scorpion Engine, isn't it? Scorpion we talked, Engine. We, we talked what about it, it in some of the episodes. Yeah. Yes, Kyle, look at Scorpion Engine. See if it works. If it doesn't work, I'll maybe I'll stop bugging you about it. Just not. No, I'm not Scorpion programming engine. it for you and the three <laughs> other people who want a CD32. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of, anyway. you think a Vectrex is expensive. Have you seen what a CD32 sells for these days? Oh, I, haven't, I haven't looked for a while. It's a lot more than a Vectrex. Really? Ah, oh, that's gross. You're just a millionaire. You don't know it, Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to let's get back to the so, game. Sorry, I, I put you on the tangent of the ports, but I, yeah. yeah, I've been bugging him since the beginning. But I want to one, shoot it too. So. I played a little of the Game Boy Color uh, port, and it's it's quite different because you don't have the run button, uh, because everything is scaled down a little, which is quite interesting. There there's there has been some changes. Is that for every port that you made slight changes to uh, change for uh, the the system, or is it so specifically for the Game Boy port? Um, it was really, I had to remove the run just because of how much smaller the screen is. It felt like you were just flying through a screen way too quick. I mean, it, her walk in the Game Boy feels like it's kind of halfway between the walk and the run. Um, just because of the way it's scaled down. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much the only big change was getting rid of the run uh, and that was a design choice just because of that compactness. It felt like you couldn't really run through screens, or if you were, it was just going to feel like an empty experience if you're just zooming. Um, but otherwise, screen for screen, I hope the challenge... And also, the whip takes up so much more of the screen that a lot of the pegs just had to go because you'd, like, you couldn't fit the number of pegs that are in the turbo graphics into the game boy oh, that's interesting so you have to make uh, make a lot of changes actually for that port yeah oh i had to and maybe it's a little bit easier when there's less packs and i had to um just redraw the maps from scratch and it was literally just having two of my map windows open and being like okay this is what this room looks it. like and just copying it and trying to resize it. And then I'm still in the polish process of getting things like, oh, this peg should be a little higher. This one should be a yeah, little Yeah, how lower. do you do that? How do you, how do you do that kind of calculation? You know, so you say, I'm oh, copying it from here to here, but then how do you know that the, you know, the character will reach or the whip will reach or what, what? The nice thing is, is it's so easy to fire up tools. And you've both seen the debug menu that I can just warp to any part of the game really quickly. No, don't tell, don't tell this, don't tell this. We're, we're, we're just good at games, we are. <laughs> So it's pretty easy to warp where you need to go to check something. And a lot of it's just straight up. I'm going to copy this over, play through it in the game and be like, oh, crap, I screwed that up. And 
I mean, it's not as difficult as it was in people in the 80s because you could have your emulator open at the same time as your window and just quickly mm. rearrange oh, things. Okay, that's, that's nice to know. I didn't know how you did that, in fact. Anyway, I wanted to spend uh, two seconds to, well, more than two seconds, really, to to appreciate the boomerang because I really like that weapon compared to the whip. I know the whip is, seems more powerful, maybe is more powerful. And each weapon you can buy an upgrade for. But the boomerang I really liked because, it you know, you can hit an enemy twice with a boomerang. While with a whip, you can hit it probably once. Maybe if you're lucky, you can hit an enemy more than twice as well with a boomerang because it comes back to you. So maybe... For example, there are rooms which I haven't mentioned that have boss fights. They have bosses in certain rooms. And using the boomerang, you can throw the boomerang at the boss, but then it also comes back, so it hits him again. And I find that mechanic quite nice. And also, the you can... Um, because, because the boomerang comes back to you all the time, then you can change the direction of it. So if you, for example, jump or um, crouch, I think the boomerang follows your new position and so you can target for example if you're clever multiple enemies with one boomerang's hit, um, throw if that makes sense so i found that a really nice weapon to use um so i just wanted to put that out there really it's a bit like the zelda boomerang the the where you play uh, zelda top-down zelda games and when you throw a boomerang it's, it's a bit like the same uh, Mechanic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think I've only played the Zelda on the DS, and then on I haven't I haven't played loads of Zelda games. I want to play them because they're all so awesome, but I haven't played those. Well. <laughs> I was going to talk about the the rooms that we explored uh, towards the end. I think there's a big variety of rooms. Uh, like we've got the initial temple room, and then I think the tiles change color, but then we have a bit more of a exotic environments with uh, sharks and water and then you showed us um, a level where you actually are completely in complete darkness and that was really really amazing in some ways that it really threw me off because i had no clue i thought it was a glitch but it wasn't a glitch i was just in the dark room and i just thought oh well, something's gone wrong here and then you learn that you can actually move the character and get to a torch and when the torch lands in your hands and you pick it up and you start seeing things like uh, with a, I don't know how to call it, fog of war sort of thing. So you can you kind of see where the torch um, illumi yeah, illuminates the room. I have better in Italian than English. Uh, but you can't see the rest. So then you have to figure out when you know there's some spikes moving or some balls with spikes and they're coming towards you and you have to jump them. and you But you don't know they're there. So maybe you lose a half a heart or something the first time and then you learn that it comes that way. So that, in, that also brings a completely different mechanic to the game. So what made you think about that? I don't actually remember. I just... I play a lot of Zelda randomizer, the Zelda three randomizer, and there's those torch rooms. And I guess I just wanted to do something similar. Um, and it just, it felt like a fun mechanic, but it's also the one that has wasted so many hours of my life because <laughs> unlike a lot of um, other parts of the game, it ports very poorly from platform to platform because every, oh. every platform has challenges to implementing that kind of, um hiding of sprites and tiles and so every time it's a struggle getting it from you know turbo graphics to sega genesis took so many hours and now um it's really the last big thing on the game boy that needs doing other than the polish phase 
is getting the torch rooms working in the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. And even Game Boy and Game Boy Color are going to be completely different because they have different capabilities of tile manipulation. And so I want to use the best parts of those systems, but that means recoding it for Game Boy and Game Boy Color and having that detection set up. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the big struggle. It it I like how it turned out. It feels really impressive for you know these platforms, but oh, it was a pain. How long did it take you to make the Turbo Graphics version and then the subsequent ports that you've done? So it's one of those weird things where it, I got the game done in about three months. I'd say like the core gameplay done in three months, uh, but then um, two years of polish and just two years of like, oh, if you die here, if you do this, it breaks. If you do this, it breaks. Oh, I want mm. these pegs. Like Mark was saying, when he played it earlier, I had just some punishing, punishing design <laughs> choices, much worse than it is now. So the beta in Mark's collection is just even more difficult than the game is right now. Um, even things like pulling enemies out, it's kind of interesting because you put 90% of the effort is three months, and then that last 10% of clean cleanliness is two years and getting it That's to nuts, where you yeah. want it. Well, it was it's neat too, because besides me, he had other people, you know, kind of help him debug the game find bugs what happens to you know did it crash what screen were you in and those are i mean that's what makes i i feel like when you look at old retro games that's what makes um a great game is that you don't get all those crazy weird glitches and and things like that and and, and taking the time that you took you know because he did I, i he went from having the original game that he was porting um uh to to jesse within months and i i I remember i was still in awe i was like you how did you do that like you built this because it's just it's beyond my capability and i had no idea he had those type of um those skills and so watching and then going from where he was at to where he felt like he could release it i mean it would took forever and so that you know it's so easy i think to to release it before you find all these bugs or, or like, Oh wait, this, you know, this mechanic doesn't work. We can't save right here because then it locks you up in a weird spot or, you know, I mean, and I'm sure there's still bugs. There's always bugs in games, but, but trying to work through all those initially is is interesting. And Um, the artist actually kind of found a really interesting one that I had just left open um, where she thought that you were supposed to go all the you go through the swimming section and you're supposed to go like around and around to find these keys. But I'd left an opening that lets you go back through a different area back around. And I had completely missed that you could do that. And she asked and she's like, wait, I'm not supposed to do it that way normally. (laughs) And Uh so there's always these routes you find out in it. So in one part of the swimming section, you come across a fan and it's like, I, I can't use this fan right now. Um, and it's because I had to put that fan there for a later item so that you couldn't take that backtrack route that my artist had been taking. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Speedway tactics. Yeah. Well, I think, um, for me, I've, I think I've asked the question I wanted to ask. I, yeah, I don't know if there's anything that we left out and then I don't know if Weeder wants to add something on the GB port that he's played. I only played it really shortly, but it uh, looked polished. So uh, 
It looked uh, like, uh, yeah, uh, quite similar. I had some, some some things that I thought, if you played the original game, you know what to do here. And I didn't know what to do, but I, I already said it. Like the, the switches were a color that I couldn't recognize them as switches, stuff like that. But uh, that's that's easy uh, easily fixed, I think. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. Change, uh, yeah. Changing colors, yeah. Yeah, for maybe for colorblind people, so you have to do a contrast ratio. But yeah, that, uh, that. Yeah. Well, what's the plan of this Game Boy version? Is it want to release it next year or something? Or I don't the... want to put a time frame on it for sure, mm. and I want it to be much further along when I Kickstarter it. I thought I was much closer to being done and publishable when I did my Kickstarter, and boy, was I wrong <laughs> a couple years uh, yeah. out. But that's kind of how they go. I'm still faster than Paprium, I guess I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work for sure. I hope you get some return on investment here because you put in loads and loads of hours. You know, when I know. I... Go ahead, Gail. Sorry. One of the best things about making a homebrew, I've had. A handful of people beat it, play through it completely. Um, and that's one of the most rewarding things is when somebody comes back and they're like, oh, I beat your game. It was a great experience from yeah, start yeah. to end. Um, there's one guy, Turbo Cricket, who discovered a glitch in the... So if you beat the game on the good ending and complete 100% of it and find all the hidden gold coins, you get a new game plus mode. And in that new game plus mode, because I give you everything at the start, you can't actually get 100% in that. I had no idea because I never expected anybody to 100% <laughs> new game plus. And he comes and he's like, I could only max it at 96.4. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't even know that anybody was going to do it that much. And that was probably one of the best experiences that came. It's like, you played my that's game nice. more than I did to discover this. And that's awesome. And I love you as a fan. And oh my God. Please keep doing this. I think that that is one of the best recognitions you can get. People playing your game and enjoying it and doing all these sorts of things. So I know a, a lot of questions, even uh, picks from the Discord. You know, he and everybody's always asking Kyle, you know, a are you ever going to port it to the Switch? And B, are you ever going to release a non physical version of these of these ROMs, ISOs type of a thing? Because I, I mean, um, Weedo, he still hasn't given me a port of the game boy so be you know he's never given me the file so i could try my <laughs> on my flash cart so um uh, we stick to the agreement <laughs> we are loyal i know i know no and he, uh, he he told me he'd give it to me i just haven't gotten it from him yet I know, but, I'm joking, I'm joking. but uh, yeah yeah no but but uh, yeah those are the questions i know everybody's gonna wonder because why why only physical currently just because i want so because I'm still kind of shipping out to backers, I really want the people who paid for the physical cart to get it first. And then once that's done, I can start looking into how do I release this as a digital copy? And the Switch is just another platform. I have like 5% of a game in a coding language called Monogame that could run on Switch, PS5, PS4, what have you, Steam. But it just doesn't feel like it feels like a retro game and it feels impressive as a Genesis game or as a TurboGrafx game, as a Game Boy game. I feel like it kind of gets lost in the muck of Steam if it's on those platforms. I don't think it would really wow the audience. It's just I could see porting a sequel 
to Steam, it just doesn't feel like something anybody's really going to get the, excited about. There's so many Metroidvanias now on the Switch that it feels like just another one on the pile. But for the platforms I made it for, it does feel like more of a adventure you don't get on those platforms. Yeah, yeah. Somewhat, I, I do agree with that with that side kind of sentiment as well. I, I figured it was because you're a collector, you like people having physical things. I mean, that's let's be let's be honest, that's part of it. I just think that if you paid for the physical, you should have it before the people who have the digital, and maybe that's the collector in me. I don't have anything against digital. I just feel like physical collectors are superior. Oh wait, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other that's questions, funny. guys? Oh, Kyle, if we've missed something and you want to add something. Um, just that probably the only thing we didn't talk about is kind of the flow of the game where, you know, you get those artifacts from bosses and that opens up a path to the end, but you can't actually save grandpa with that. You have to go then back through and fight tougher versions of the boss with all of your upgrades available. And then you get the pieces to the sarcophagus and then you can get the good ending, which I think I, um, Got you to cheat to to see the good ending. Oh yeah, I wasn't going to spoil it, but yeah. Do you want me to talk about that? Feel free. Yeah, it's out. Okay, there's full yeah. playthroughs on YouTube, so if anybody feels too spoiled, I mean, they can watch a complete playthrough at this point. Yeah. Okay. Well, Carl kindly walked me to to the final section to have a look at the boss and um, and fight the boss. And my God, if it's it's really difficult. So you get to Cleopatra, and and she basically runs after you. On a, on a series of platforms that you have to jump on and Grandpa's following you or preceding you, but but you're, you're both escaping basically from Cleopatra, which looks like resembles a bit of a harpy in that, in that uh, particular level. It took me a while to figure out that I had to actually hit uh, Cleopatra. I was just running and running and running and running. And there's pyramids with lava, I think, in the background. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's correct, yeah. Uh, and in the end, I, I didn't really manage to, to kill her because I died before. I had a lot of hearts, <laughs> like probably 50 hearts, but my gaming skills are so poor, so I, I will have to lower my head in in, in defeat and, and admit that, yeah, even if I did uh, hit Cleopatra, I did have the boomerang then, I think. Uh, if, I didn't use the whip. I think I had the boomerang, and I, and I managed also to do that, that really neat trick, which is hit her twice or sometimes I managed to hit her three times with the same boomerang throw. That's why I thought that was so great, that weapon. But still, I didn't make it. I didn't uh, manage to, to kill her. Uh, so I died uh, and I didn't have time to try again. But uh, so I didn't I didn't see the ending. I don't know if there's a cutscene or anything. I don't know if you want to spoil that. But yeah, the boss is really hard for me. It was really hard. That's, that's for the listeners to find out uh, themselves. There you go then. <laughs> I'm just really impressed with all of the parallax going on and the various like the lava flowing i always was and the music playing feels very epic i just love that scene. yeah yeah it is very it is very impressive now naturally it was my first and only game for the turbo graphics so i didn't have anything to compare it to if that makes sense i'm sure i, I I'm only sure played uh, castlevania but uh that's uh, in a league of its own <laughs> Castlevania Rondo of Love. Yeah, that's a great game. Right. So, well, th thanks for thanks for the game and kudos for making it. And I really hope in a sequel. And I'm curious to see what that's going to be if you're ever going to make it. I hope so. And you know, the big plan would be to include a randomizer with it, but that might may or may not happen. I don't know if you guys are familiar with randomizers. 
Yeah. It's like a procedurally generated thing, like something like that. No, the items are swapped around. And, uh, so, oh. So, so where you normally find something, you find something else, and the progression mm. will be totally different because mm -hmm. of it. Different. It's kind of like uh, that halfway point between a complete roguelike and playing the game you've loved for ages. So I'm a just absolutely huge fan of the Zelda 3 and the Final Fantasy 2 slash 4 randomizer. I just love those so much because they're the game you love, but then there's also the mystery element to them as well. And I'd love to replicate that. I have just one last question for Kyle. Very simple one, but where does the character name comes from? That was a real struggle for me. Um, I was just requesting names on one of my um, development discords with friends. And a friend just suggested it. And I loved it because it's got kind of that hero um, alliteration. So many heroes have the alliteration, but it's... Just, yeah, it was the hero alliteration. And I said, sweet, I'm sticking with that name. Right, great. I, it wasn't my invite. It wasn't my invention at all. But I love the kind of Bruce Banner, uh, Clark Kent alliterations. Oh, wait, I have another question. I forgot to ask about the music. Who made the music? Um, I know the artist you talked about. So there's a group on YouTube called uh, the Feicher Brothers. And um, I hope I didn't butcher their name too much. And they just have all this cool, like, Egyptian and, um, like, fantasy-type music. And so when I was making the demo, I'm like, okay, I need... Or making the first version of the game, I just needed placeholder songs. And I just used an MP3 downloader to download their songs and put them in my game. And then I'm like okay, these have stuck. I love these songs too much to let them go. So I contacted them and like, can I license your music? And they said, sure, go ahead. And they gave me an incredible rate. The downside of that though, is because they wanted to maintain the license that some people get hit with copyright issues on their YouTube mm. videos because it's this licensed music. And I just have a license to use it. I don't have a license to... um have other people profit from videos with that music in it well that makes it complicated doesn't it yeah and the problem is the music's just absolutely fantastic but streamers want to be able to you know or uh various youtubers who review it want to be able to you know make money off of what they're doing but then you have this other team and they said that if um, it does get flagged that these YouTubers can contact them. But as one of my friends who is a YouTuber and who reviewed it said, if you make that claim and it ends up rejected, then that can really, really hurt yourself as a YouTube and get your YouTube channel shut down. And so what he did was he had to review that game with just different audio because it was using their music. And so that That's will be a less of a problem with like the Sega Genesis version because it's a chiptune. But it is really unfortunate that we didn't discover this until after the game was published. And it's one of those things where I have the complete license to use it, but that doesn't mean that people can just put the videos on YouTube and profit from them. And yeah. I would prefer, I wouldn't care if people profited off videos of my game, but there's kind of this blockade in the way. Yeah, my, it's unfortunate. I, I, should, I should mention there, there's a cool, uh, on the Genesis version, which is pretty cool, He's actually included um, the soundtrack on CD where if you have a Sega CD 
hooked up to your Genesis, you can actually listen to the CD music during. Oh, that's the awesome! Genesis that's game. awesome. Yeah, that, that's something we that's something we didn't talk about, right? I mean, because um, it's basically the same as the Turbo CD version, right, Kyle? As far as the music goes. Yeah, it's the exact same sounds, same wave files that play on oh, yeah. the Turbo CD. Um, yeah, I just love when you have a platform to just do stupid things with it, like have Sega CD support in it. Um, the Game Boy, I want to include Game Boy printer support just because I can't. <laughs> what are you going to do a with Super that? Game Boy? Super Game Boy, Super yes. Game... Super Game Boy is in the works too. Cool. So That's great. Any yeah. silly little thing I can include, I love doing. What, what about the porting of the, of the music then? How are you going to do that on, on chiptune? Um, I just paste. So Tanoki is the one who actually did the chip tunes, and he just listens to their music and ports it. Oh, and I pay him for his time, and that's how it's on there. So he's done it for the Turbo Graphics, and the artist is playing. Or the artist who does all my art, Mishirin, um, she's the one who's playing to do all of the Game Boy music. Okay, incredible. But I didn't know that they just listen to these songs and do their magic. How about the Hue Card version? Uh, music tanoki as well and that's all done it's just waiting for the sound engine to be finished to actually play it back uh, it must be like a monumental yeah. task to coordinate all this stuff it is and one of my biggest flaws is the coordination of getting the assets done for like the manual um the artist on my other game catastrophe is really the one who's bailed me out on a lot of the things like just getting the adobe illustrator files together to print the manuals is such an overwhelming task and I don't really know anyone aside from him who can help I me see. with that. Well, well done. My God, uh, such an endeavor and such a commitment and such a, um, how do you say, perseverance. That's the word I'm looking for. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Okay, guys, if no one else has any other questions, let's have a break. Hello. This is Cal 9000. I also listen to New Game on Fame. You should do. Otherwise, I will exterminate you. And we're back. It's uh, time for news. Okay, my news is about uh, the Funko Pops. Do you know those? We know Funko Pops. I think my son's got a couple of Funko Pops. Uh, oh, really? They were really popular in the COVID times where everybody wants, uh, wants to have uh, a doll, uh, an ugly doll around them. But uh, now, unfortunately, uh, the popularity... Uh, went down and they have to trash 30 million worth of Funko Pops and that's because they are in the they, they can't pay the warehouse costs anymore to keep them in just, ah, I see. they're just not selling anymore so the warehouse costs are more than the profits so in a way this um, sounded like the video game crash yeah, definitely. When Atari had had too much games and had to trash all those ET games <laughs> because the popular nobody wants to yeah. buy them anymore. So I, I saw some similarities and I thought, wow, this is this is interesting. Yeah, let's mark the spot and come back maybe twenty years later on and take them out. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone wants the ugly uh, ugly Yoda or something. That's a lot of money of of fun- Funko Pops. I mean, thirty million. That is a lot of Funko Pops. And also, who invested in that, buying all those Funko Pops? It must have, must be absolute destroyed because, my goodness me. I think this is not a profitable uh, 
company anymore. Do you like Funko Pops? No, I, th- I think they are horrible looking. But honestly, there was like uh, one uh, Twin Peaks Funko Pop. And I thought, hmm, maybe I want a Dale Cooper Funko Pop. But <laughs> I- I'm glad I never never bought uh, such a thing. Like, like I said uh, last episode or uh, two episodes ago, I, I don't really like all those extra plastic useless stuff around. Yeah, so. I'm the same. I completely agree. I don't like this. Uh, nah, nah. My son's got one, and when I saw it, I was like, my God, that's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't even look good, no. in my opinion. But yeah, it's just a collectible, and yeah, it's, it's sad that there's so many trashed now because... Yeah. What a waste. It's, what a waste. It's just waste. It's just waste. And uh yeah, uh same for the video game crash. This is probably the the ugly uh, replica crash. Well, there you go. Funko's in the in the landfill. If anyone wants to get a free Funko Pop, they have to they can just head over there and dig. <laughs> Somewhere in Arizona. So if you're living close by in Arizona, go have a look at, at the landfill. Imagine posterity. Like saying 20 million years. Now, 20 million years is a bit too much of a posterity. We'll be burnt to death by then. But uh, later on, and maybe a couple of thousand years, someone doesn't know about Funko Pops anymore. They go there, dig in a site to build, I don't know, a skyscraper. And they find, what's these dolls? What's this plastic dolls? (laughs) (laughs) Ancient civilization was here. That would be really crazy. Like, what were these used for? (laughs) Go on, Diego, your turn. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, I've been just, as usual, following a bit the news about ChatGPT Evolution, which is now going to get an update to version 4. But I think it's still available to a few amount of people so far. But I've read that it it is supposed now to also analyze pictures. Nice. So you can upload pictures. And I haven't seen it, but I've heard that there was a sort of demonstration about um, uploading a picture that showed the sketch of a possible website and asking ChatGPT version 4 to implement the website. Really? Straight out of the picture. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, I've seen that as well. Nice times for me then ahead. I don't have to do anything anymore. I just ask ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about you and your website woos. Maybe it might help you. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've seen some someone made a plugin for Unity 3D, and you could just write what you want uh, in Unity. So for the example said like make 50 squares and then or 50 squares on 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 the screen, and then he says um, please rotate them for me uh, in a random fashion, and they all get rotated, and then make make a uh, make a floor with collision, and then there was a floor with collision, and then when he wow. played that scene, all those uh, cubes uh, dropped and uh, f- on the floor, which is uh, just all written down and asked Chat uh, uh, GPT to do it. So maybe it's uh, interesting to quickly make a game as well in that fashion. Yeah, apparently they have already made games with Chat uh, GPT. I don't know. It, it helped me with the PHP stuff. I, I hope it gets better with that. But that sounds really cool. I think that plug plugins are a great idea, and they are already coming all over the place and uh, apps and browsers extensions and things like that uh, like we were we were talking at work with a couple of workmates about uh, about making some um, combination between speech to text chat gpt 
and text-to-speech so that you could actually talk with it instead of just typing. Hmm. But it turns out that they've already done it. Hmm. There is more than one available around. And uh, there was even, uh, I think, um, GM, General Motors vice president, interview recently where he suggested that they are actually looking into integrating such things with their cars in the future so that you could actually talk with the car and the car would talk back to you and it would be based on ChatGPT or something similar. Night Rider. So, yeah, we can finally have our Night Rider car. <laughs> it's awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, this is the next big goes. thing, isn't it? Like they're implementing it in, in, in more or less everywhere. So I think yesterday, one of my friends, uh, he's on Discord server as well. And uh, he was telling me about a video game that now has AI inside it. I don't know how it's implemented. Um, we should maybe have a look at that at some point. It's a game on Steam though, but it is a somewhat resembling a retro game because it's a pixel art game and it's very, very good looking. But um, I would totally try and see what that's about. All right. What else can you use G uh, this chat GPT for, for then? Uh, so you can show him a website and then he will make the website. And then you can show him pictures. Um, can you show him other, other sort of pictures as well? Like, I don't know, what, if you could say, show him, let's say, a picture of a, of a panorama. What, what's the... <laughs> uh, no, I don't know the details yet of what kind of analysis it would do. But let's see how it goes when it gets available to the masses. Do you know when that's happening? No, because I think it's being rolled out gradually, not to all users at once. At least that's what I've heard so far. Okay, so maybe the people who pay the premium, as you said, uh, will get the, will get access, early access to that. That's cool. Can't wait. On a more complicated note, I also notice another news related to artificial intelligence, not ChatGPT. But a few weeks ago, uh, there was a sentence by the US Copyright Office about an AI-assisted comic book novel named Zarya of the Dawn. Oh, nice. Okay. It's kind of a small, small 20 pages or so comic book novel. And it was illustrated with the help of Mid Journey which is uh, another artificial intelligence-based service that creates images based on a description that the user provides. And uh, what is interesting is that the U.S. Copyright Office granted copyright registration for the novel and the things like the general editing and uh, design and arrangements, but not for the images. And it declared that the images cannot be copyrightable because they are AI generated. Hmm. I think that's the kind of thing that sets a precedent and well, you don't know exactly what where it will go with this but uh, I think that it's been already argued by a lot of people who make images, for example, professionally that uh, you need to provide enough creativity to the generation of the image to be recognized authorship of that. And probably this copyright decision was because the judges decided or realized that even going through lots of tests and iteration by giving different inputs and to adjust the result, that's maybe not enough, not creative enough. 
to be said that it's the work of a human person. And so they decided it cannot be copyrighted. But that actually means that also the companies that make these tools cannot claim any rights on images generated by their tools. So it's a bit strange. I really don't know what to say about it. It could be good news, it could be bad news, or mixed news for the future. Is mid journey? Yeah, but, uh, oh, but, sorry. So if you edit the image enough, then it could be yours, right? That's a good question. Yeah, they'll find a way. If you edit it yourself. For example, then... for example, that 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 comic, it's a compilation of different images, probably, and that's a, a new work altogether. So you should say that comic is a work of a creative person, but maybe the images in the comics are uh, compilated by that person. So then it's their work, I think. Well, I I think. That is pretty much, in a nutshell, what the Copyright Office decided. So that the arrangements, the layout, the choice of picture can be copyrighted, but not the pictures. So maybe someone can take the pictures out of that novel and use them somewhere else because they're non-copyrightable. But you can't take the whole comic book Mm. and... Uh, and replicate it or sell it yourself without permission. So it, it's definitely a complex topic, and uh, I'm sure this is not the end of it. This is just the beginning of uh, setting some law about how to how to manage AI-generated content in general. Maybe at some point AI would say, this is my work, I want it copyrighted, and it will be the dawn of a new species. Well, but they would have to recognize that they are a sort of legal entity of their own. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyways, I was going to ask, is this mid-journey free to use? No. Well, I mean, if I remember right, there's um, there's a trial version, but very small, maybe like 20, 30 pictures that you can generate for free. It might be 20, 30 per month. Ooh. Uh, similar to Doll E. That's the image generation service that is tied to ChatGPT anyway. Yeah, yeah. It also has a limit per month. But otherwise, I think if you want to use it professionally, you need a monthly subscription because obviously you're not going to get usable images in just a few tries. Yeah, you yeah. need to try a lot. And But in that case, if I remember right, Midjourney grants you the right to use the images also commercially. So they don't pretend to keep the copyrights for themselves. If you use the tool, then you can use them any way you want, make money out of it. I'm sure but something's going to change. You pretty much need to get a subscription if you want it to, to generate something substantial. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, everything is, subscri- is subscription-based. It just does me head in nowadays. Uh... I'm not going to go too much into this. I was just looking at some software yesterday. Everything, everything is subscription-based. Oh, yes. You, even if you want, oh, there's a website that does a conversion for a, for a character string into another. Ah, one pound a month. What? <laughs> yeah. well, do, do you know what I just noticed God. the other day? That now they have car wash subscriptions here. <laughs> you You pay something per month and then you have unlimited car washes well that 
sort of makes sense, I think. Some people just want to go to the car wash every week, and then it's probably yeah. a lot cheaper. If if you do it that often, then it's convenient, certainly. But thinking about how often I wash my car, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's not I, for I, me. Then. Yeah, but that's that's maybe why they do the subscription, uh, because I also only wash my car like after winter, because there's a lot of mud and uh, and salt on the in the road, and then. I want just to clean that off my car and then maybe when I went to a dusty part in the summer and then I, maybe I'll wash it again, but it's maybe twice in the year. Uh, but if you have a subscription, then you probably go every month at least. Oh my God, yeah. I haven't washed my cars in four years. <laughs> <laughs> They've got trees growing on them. Uh, my son likes to do it now, so uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna let, let them uh, do it. I need to get the kids on it. Yeah, that's a good idea. You can you can get some extra game time out of it. Yeah, so. I wish, <laughs> I wish. So, what about you? Do you have any news for us? I have a small news, uh, but it is not really news. But uh, it is um, quite interesting that finally, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Amiga, but the Amiga has a very particular floppy disk which is nearly um it's emulatable but that you cannot use uh, any floppy disk drive on a real amiga it has to be of a certain format and standard it uh, writes so many cylinders and so many tracks and it has its own for like hardware parts so it, it, it just works on the amiga so it's always been a struggle for people to to be able to have a replacement drive they have to use old drives or refurbish them and especially they can't use a drive on a pc an amiga drive on a pc it's very complicated until now so they've made a thing called amiga drawbridge which is an external floppy disk well yeah it is external to actually write the disks on floppy disks you can write them directly from a pc now and what that enables is finally you can write the adf uh, image files to actually a physical format and then play that in your Amiga. But what's the most interesting part of that, it's not only that, is that you can attach this drive to the PC and use a, um, an Amiga emulator and that Amiga emulator, WinUAE namely I think it is, uh, will see that drive as an Amiga drive and you can put the floppy disks directly in that drive and the emulator will read it, which is pretty mm. amazing. So you can play your old games on your PC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not about, mostly it's not about the games, it's about the data. So if you've got like, for example, you know, tracks or stuff that you've done in a tracker or something uh, and and you don't have an Amiga, you could just get a drawbridge and then you can get that data out that you've done. You know, your, your the, what you've produced, you can still get it available. I know mostly, most games are available anyways nowadays and you can still buy them on ebay so the games is not too much of an issue i think i think the problem is when you create some content then how do i get that back if it's on a floppy disk and i don't have an amiga and an amiga is a bit out of range in like price wise now i think they go about 100 120 um pounds for the, say the stock 500 and then way way up to i don't know 600 pounds for an amiga 1200 so it's a lot of money just to get your tracks back uh, uh, those floppies are they those still readable because they're so so old? Yeah, is that, that's the thing. Is that uh, um, data um, 
protected well or is it just deteriorating? It, I think it will deteriorate eventually. So yeah, it's got a limited scope of usage in time, I think, some Amiga drawbridge, because I don't think anyone's producing any floppy disks anymore, especially not the 720k ones that we used to use in the Amiga time. So those are the ones which just have one notch on the side. Then the IBM introduced the one with two notches that held mm. double the um, the amount of data. But the Amiga typically is just the 720K that they formatted at 880, I think it was. So yeah, it, but I, the few I've tried that Diego's given me all his and um, they all work still. So I can't complain really. <laughs> so they still hold the data nowadays. Um, and then, as long as you uh, keep them away from magnets. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a... That's a good suggestion. Keep your floppies away from magnets, mates. <laughs> All right. Well, that's me done. Um, we have one email. Uh, one email from Caleb again. Uh, will we see porting of some of the modern retro on modern consoles? I think dressed... What is what? Wait a second. I think drastic at MK11 on Mega Drive, broken bones in a window. I don't know. Horizon <laughs> Zero Dawn on NES, stuff like that. So that's that was the email. So, do you um, see those uh, D makes? I call them. Have you seen those D makes? Are they called D makes? Ah, no, I don't know. Uh, have they can they do that? Well, uh, obviously, a 3D environment of Horizon Zero Dawn should be like a with sprites yeah and they're there they they exist they're mostly a fan projects i i can't name them but i know i follow a twitter feed uh which called game boy d makes oh yeah you told me about that that uh they are making um mostly graphics of uh modern games on the game boy and they also publish ROMs, so you can see those graphics, but they're not real games, which is quite unfortunate. Oh, but for, ex yeah. for example, I see here one of Blinks the Time Sweeper, <laughs> or, uh, which is an Xbox game. Yeah, I, I think. think it is. Um, Dino Crisis, Hearthstone, Phoenix Wright, but that's only images. And... The other one I thought, which is also a D-make, uh, is Bloodborne PSX. Don't know this which, one. I've never heard it. it. It's like, you know Bloodborne, I think. Yeah, Bloodborne, which yeah. Is, hey, Xbox well, again, there, isn't it? On, uh, I think that's a PS4 game, but I'm not sure. Mm. But that's uh, one in the Souls uh, series. Right. And uh, someone make, made a PSX version, like a PlayStation 1 version of it, oh. but... Unfortunately, it's not a real PlayStation 1 game. It's just a game which really looks like a PlayStation 1 <laughs> game. But it's still a D-Make. And uh, you can get that, I think, for free on itch. It's on... Yeah. It's called Bloodborne PSX. And you can play it. And I heard good stories about it. Uh, so uh, maybe uh, if someone is interested in D-Makes, you can at least try that. And maybe someone eventually will port it to PlayStation 1. But... Uh, if you see the PlayStation 1 homebrew, there is not much out there, which is uh, any quality. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't but... know of any. No, I, th I agree. I agree. Mm. have seen very little. There, There is some, some, a couple of things, but they're, yeah, as you said, they're just fan, fan projects. And 
you know, very cobbled together. I mean, they try. It's difficult, I'm guessing, yeah, to, to do the PlayStation homebrew stuff. I, I, I played the question... uh, I played uh, Pac-Man, uh, the Pac-Man Pac 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 competition, no? Pack to the future. I played, <laughs> I played uh, that Pac-Man uh, Championship Edition, which is a remake of an Xbox game. But uh, yeah, and it's also made by Nemco, so you can play that. But that is still Pac-Man, <laughs> which is also an old game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's a, the best version of Pac-Man out there. So I would everybody recommend to play. You that. really it's like on, this on game. NES. You really like. You, yeah, yeah. you mentioned it again. So you keep saying, "Oh, this is the best game. I need to try this Pac game." Best Pac-Man. Yeah, just play it. So yeah, that's a remake. But uh, <coughs> other than that, I. I don't know a lot about them. But well, I I think I just played one because Supercooked, in a, in a sense, is a remake of. Ah, yeah, that's cooked. right. That's a good one. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, what were you saying before? Yeah, gen and general, generally speaking, I'm not a fan of ports or remakes, but remakes are more interesting. I don't like when older games are brought over to new platforms or just from one platform to another, well, I kind of have a view of having lots of platforms. So if I want to play um, one classic game, I play it on the right platform, console or or home computer. So I'm not usually very interested in endlessly porting games everywhere. And when I see them, the old games ported to new computers, usually I don't like them at all. I think they kind of lose the what makes them special for the old ones. But demakes are more interesting in my opinion. It's obviously a challenge. Yeah, and but... maybe it, it will be brought down to the essentials of the game. Yes, exactly. They have to capture the reason why the game was good uh, despite the graphical limitations. So if the game was good only because it looked good, the demake, it's not going to be a success. But if it is a success, then it, it, it's great. It means that the game itself has actual good content. It's like, I don't know, taking a, a famous song and stripping it down to a very laid bare version with few instruments. And then uh, if, if it's still great, it means that the, the music, the melody and the harmony were actually good. If it tells you nothing, well, okay, maybe it was the instruments or some or some virtuoso players or just great sounds, but maybe that it didn't have that much to say overall. Just a thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I also saw saw um, someone is making Shovel Knight on Game Boy Color, so he's they de making it, but Shovel Knight is already a pixel art NES style game. Oh, but I really want that then. But if it's on Game Boy Color, it's maybe even way sized down, and which uh, it looked interesting. It, uh, it it it's it's obviously fitting, and actually that game what I brought this show, uh, Hero Core, is also sort of a PC game demade for GBA. So yeah, so there you go. There are some ports. I think uh, stuff like Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, and on the NES. Yeah, well. I mean, they couldn't ever do it. Um, I don't think the companies would do it because there's no profit. 
and fans couldn't do it because they they would go you know have a copyright problem there because yeah calling it horizon zero dawn wouldn't be a great a great idea i i can i can think do you ever have you ever played mortal kombat 11 um i think i, I didn't I, but just there's already a mortal kombat on mega drive with so i think what he's really talking different? about broken bones is because i think i've seen a video of this um so there are special moves that you can pull off on Mortal Kombat 11 where then you have like a small cut scene and you see the punch goes through the ribs and breaks the ribs or something like that. And may- maybe that's what he's talking about. But it would be the same problem, wouldn't it? Because they couldn't call it Mortal Kombat. They could call it Super Fight or something like that. And may- maybe and they couldn't use the, even the same characters. They will be copyrighted and stuff like that. So I don't think you can get official ports like this. Um but it would be nice if they did stuff like that, wouldn't it? I mean, I would be really interested to see like a Horizon Zero Dawn port to the NES and see how that how that looks and uh, and plays. Probably a platformer. <laughs> there you go. Probably or a puzzler. Or maybe, <laughs> yeah, or maybe a top-down uh, thing like Metal Gear uh, Solid on NES, something like that. Yeah, it would be really nice um, to get stuff like that done. I think there's more chance for indie developers, so people who probably do stuff on Steam, to have ports of their games or demakes of their games down to retro consoles. But Like Coconoid, or how do you call it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'd say Sakonoid or Chikonoid. I don't know how it's Chikonoid. pronounced. Yeah, so we'll Chikonoid. have a look at it. Yeah. It's uh, currently, uh, yeah, Chikonoid, I think. Uh, it's currently being ported to the Amiga, I think. Yeah. So that's also, uh, yeah, but it's also already a retro-styled game. Uh, but yeah, it looks interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, that's this brings us to an end. Unless you guys have anything else to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so maybe we should uh, do a recap of what we played. Yeah, that's a good idea. Go, Wido. So for this episode, I played Hero Core on the GBA. Jago played uh, Super Cooked on the Super Nintendo. Andy brought Jesse Jager and Cleopatra's Curse on the PC Engine CD. Yeah. And Mark brought Vector Blade for his Vector X. Yeah. Before we close, any uh, shout outs for you guys, Mark? Yeah, the Retro Asylum guys, they didn't really kick me out, guys. Just look at the date that this was published. Hopefully, yeah. it's actually published on, <laughs> on April <laughs> Fool's Day. Now, the uh, it, it was it's an honor that they've asked me to come help them help them uh, out. So, I mean, I absolutely absolutely love that podcast. Yeah, and I want to shout out our friend Calm Like a Bobomb. He's always uh, really uh, active in our Discord, and uh, he's playing really cool games and sharing screenshots and reviews and. Uh, he gets me excited to play and test them as well. Uh, I want to shout out, obviously, Retro Asylum for always being supportive and Bonner79, which is a great guy with, with who I exchange daily messages about games and gaming on Telegram, and it's so funny. And he helps me deal with a lot of stuff that I need to set up to test these games. So thank you all very much. Having said that, good night to everyone because it's quite late today and i'll say goodbye to mark i'll say goodbye to kyle thank you very much for joining us diego goodbye and we do and we'll speak to you guys soon again goodbye thank you thanks for coming bye awesome. thank Thanks. You. goodbye